buttons hit. <laughs> Someone else's problem now. Yeah, it's my problem, I think. I'm, I'm editing this. <laughs> Your fucking laptop, my guy. Uh, hello, everybody, and welcome to Ornate Stairwells, a movie podcast. I'm joined, as always, by M. What? Oh, yeah. Hi. <laughs> movies. Movies. Now more than ever. <laughs> and our special guest this time is uh, Neve. Hi. And Neve. <laughs> Usual co usual host of uh, repertory screenings. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Faye is this is Faye is the night. <laughs> <laughs> I guess this is the bit we're doing. I guess this is the bit. I I came up with it while I was talking. Um, you know, I could tell. <laughs> <laughs> um, M, have you watched any movies uh, that you haven't talked about on like repertory screenings or, you know? Well, I've watched Excalibur, but I'm talking about it in about uh, t- 14 hours. So, no. That's <laughs> I it. Mean, I'm sorry. I do have you in the spreadsheet here because I do need a stairwell rating. Oh, for Excalibur? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm, I'm going to say like a. I'm going to say like a. Who? There's like multiple stairwells, but none of them are particularly good. There's like a really ornate. I guess it, that counts as ornate. There's like a Grail Dream that Percival has that has like a shining okay. castle with like a stairwell leading up to like the idealized form of Arthur. But it's like a B. It's like a B. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um. Well. So I was going to start this out by apologizing to you um, that we watched a bunch of movies and this is going to go long, but then you put out a seven and a half hour podcast, so I'm not sorry anymore. <laughs> I only, I'm only doing that once. I only did it to say I did, and now I'm done. <laughs> One hour of bangers. That's all we do here. I mean, you can go as long like, as you want. I don't care. Yeah, it took you like five recordings to do that. I could do that easily in two. No. <laughs> Is the it thing, possible the thing, to learn that power? The thing is, like, after about two hours, I just think I'm putting out worse audio. Like, I don't want to be yeah. there. The, the quality goes down. Some people enjoy, like, punchy energy. I'm just not one of those people. I'll just get snippy. No one wants it. <laughs> See, I just was on a radio show for six hours every Friday night. So, I'm just built this way. Did you? you were, were you, like, pitching to music, though? Um, for the first three hours, but not the last three hours. Well, you were just on for three hours? What? Yes. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was me and, and two other people, but okay. it was okay. still, okay. it was still just a comedy podcast for three hours, but live <laughs> oh. over the air. Did, what, was um, it popular? With stoners? Yes. Okay. <laughs> it was college radio. So yes. Okay. okay um, fair enough. We definitely got calls in. We would sometimes throw the music, but they were always jokes. Like so, every um, every Friday, we would get in uh, at the very end a request for "Down Under" by Men at Work, and it was always just like some reference to some stupid thing that happened earlier in the the show. Mm-hmm. Um, whoever like called in, but then we did get someone call in once and say "Stop playing Down Under," and then we we like <laughs> did him as the person who called in. So that's great. Um. Yeah. Anyway, we have a bunch of movies to get through. Did you organize these or? Yeah, this is like my rough. I don't know if you watched anything else today. Uh, No, I watched half of Die Hard 3 last night, um, but it was like too action-y and I had to pause it. You didn't finish Die Hard 3? What's wrong? God damn it. If you had finished Die Hard 3 last night, I would have watched it while I worked today, but instead I listened to a seven and a half hour podcast. Okay, so I. At normal speed? No. Good. 
Good. Somebody listened to it at normal speed, and I was like, what the fuck's wrong with you? <laughs> okay. I got halfway through Die Hard 3 last night. It was like 11.30. I, I paused it because I was like, ah, that's so much. I'm just going to like, you know, get up, walk around the apartment for a second. Um, and then it was 11.30, so I didn't finish it. And then I intended to finish it today, but I forgot that I intended to finish it and started playing Elden Ring. <laughs> Checks out. I, I don't. I don't understand how you get through the day sometimes. <laughs> so anyway, give me your pixels stairwell rating. F. Okay. <laughs> if people want to hear more about pixels, they can give five dollars to the network. Yeah, Moving I'm not. On. I'm not talking about pixels for less than five dollars. <laughs> yeah. Um, moving on to your next movie. I watched uh, John Woo's The Killer. Hey, that movie's fucking good. <laughs> yeah. It's also very gay, although John Woo says that you're reading into it if you say it's gay. I... Which I kind of believe, but also it's gay. Yeah, no. I'm trying to remember if... I had a feeling while I was watching it that either this is gayer than hard-boiled or not as gay as hard-boiled. I think it's gayer than hard-boiled. Yeah, because they're literally like hanging out in the church, patching up each other's wounds at the end. Yeah. yeah. This is the gayer one. Um, this is also better than hard-boiled. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, hard-boiled is a movie that has a problem of being just a little too long, and this is a very similar movie, but it's a little better and also 20 minutes shorter, so basically a perfect film. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I watched them kind of back-to-back, and so I really didn't like hard-boiled because it's just too much film. Mm. See, I <clears throat> I watched Hard Boiled first, and I spaced it out by a couple months. And also, like, this movie is, like, unquestionably better in my mind, but, like, I have an affection for, like, Tony Lung that I don't have for whoever is playing that role in this movie. <laughs> um, yeah. So it, that, <clears throat> like, Hard Boiled and the, and the Killer are kind of on even footing in my mind, even though I think The Killer is, like, unquestionably, like, a better movie. <laughs> I would yeah. say I would say hard boiled insists upon itself. Actually, <laughs> it you know what <laughs> it yeah. kind of does. It does. It does. Yeah. Nothing. <laughs> um, I really want to watch a better tomorrow. I I feel like that's gonna be like just goofy. Um, it's it's been really long since. So, like I remember watching a bunch of John Woo. Mm-hmm. Like not like back to back, but this was in the days where I would get like. DVDs and just watch one every night. Mm-hmm. Um, and so probably like one a night and they yeah. definitely kind of bled together. And in my mind, I'm just like, Oh yeah, the killer. Like if there's like one in my mind, mm-hmm. if someone was like, what's the John Woo movie to watch? Face yeah, off. Say. Well, yeah. Also face <laughs> off. <laughs> it depends on what you want yes. from the movie, but also face off. <laughs> I really should see face off. It's so good. <laughs> like it's not, but <laughs> Um, as far as stairwell ratings on the killer go, um, I put question mark, question mark, question mark, because I'm, I'm going to be real with you. I was really high. I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> I remember a guy gets shot and then falls down a stairwell and that's pretty good. But other, I, I, I don't remember. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I failed and I'm sorry. Um... Well, I'm going to talk about two Icelandic films. I just put them back to back, but they're not super related, despite mm-hmm. both having um, birds in the title. So uh, the first one was, so the Icelandic title is Framen Flieger, which means like 
raven flies. It usually gets translated as when the raven flies. Um, but also has been released in the U.S. Uh, as a U.S. dub called Revenge of the Barbarians with like a very goofy <laughs> cover. Um, okay. And so I watched the I watched the U.S. dub, which I thought was Revenge of the Barbarians, but the DVD that I had did do it as When the Raven Flies. It still okay. had like an English title card. I don't know if they just like replaced it or something. Um, but it is like the shorter dub version because mm-hmm. I was working. I didn't want to. I can speak a little Icelandic, but not enough to like work and also follow a movie. Mm. Um. And this is, do you know the movie Yojimbo? I'm familiar. It's a Yojimbo. Oh, I've never shit. heard um, of Yojimbo. What's Yojimbo? <laughs> <laughs> so kind of this like drifter rolls into town and turns like two gangs against each other. Oh, a fistful of dollars. Yeah. yeah it yeah. kind of reminds okay. me of that. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> but so. I don't know. I don't know why you always have to cite like the Japanese knockoffs of classic cinema like this. <laughs> Um, anyway, the, the like actual premise of this movie was, um, so they were going to do a adaptation of a huddled or locksmith novel, Mm -hmm. um, called Glarpa, which is like hard to translate, but there's various translations like wayward warrior or like happy warriors or things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and they had like Loxness involved with the project and he was just like, there's no way you can do a film of this because what I was doing is I was taking the Icelandic saga and using the form to create a satire about like Russia and the U S during the cold war. Mm-hmm. And that's what that book is, mm-hmm. is it's like a, a satire of like current political stuff using like an extremely traditional literary form mm-hmm. um, and like situating it back in the past of like the saga age. Um, and so they were like, well, forget it. Like, forget you. We're still going to do it. And they like kept working on it. And they're like, no, this actually isn't going to (laughs) work. Um, and so they pivoted, they had done a bunch of research and like built sets and stuff to be like realistic to, you know, the time period and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, they're like, we have money in this. Uh, And so they, they reworked the script and what they decided to do was instead just to like, let's figure out what like a Viking film is going to be. And what they landed on was spaghetti Westerns and samurai films, which kind of makes sense. Like a lot of saga stuff is about warriors and like cycles of revenge and things like it makes sense. The the big thing is that like the, the action in sagas are incredibly dry. Mm -hmm. Like Lord of the Rings also has dry action and it's kind of doing like the same style where it's just like, Oh, he like cut off his head or whatever. Like it's just like very matter of fact descriptions of battles rather mm-hmm. than like exciting drawn out things. Since this is doing is like spaghetti western or a samurai film, there's like most of what you're watching it for is the action. Um and it's it's just like fabulous for that. Yeah. Um it's kind of incredible watching like a, a fairly low budget film where so the the wildest part is um so basically the this like we get a little intro of some Vikings raiding Ireland. And then the rest of the film happens like 20 years later. And a, a random guy wands, wanders into town. Who's called a guest. And he like, like they just call him guests throughout it, which within like that period of, of Icelandic culture, like how you treat a guest was extremely important. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to like be very hospitable. Mm-hmm. And then turns out he's the like, like child who they spared and is here to get revenge. Mm-hmm. Not that surprising, especially given the title revenge of the barbarians. Right. Um, 
And then most of the film is just like him turning like the two main blood brothers who like raided his village against each other so that one of them dies and then he can like take out the other one solo. Right. Um, and very early on when he first shows up in Iceland, they like are basically kind of threatening him being like, who are you this foreigner? Um, and the guy's like, everybody has these really big knives. And then he says the, the dubbed like ruins the joke, but he, he holds it and he says, that's a heavy knife. Mm-hmm. As if he's impressed by it. Um, and then later on, once stuff starts popping off, he like throws these little tiny throwing knives that he has and hits the guy in the arm and then he can't hold his knife anymore. And he says heavy knife. But in the US dub, they just say that's quite a knife. And like, it just ruins the joke of like, he drops <laughs> the knife because it's so heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, which isn't significant because like heavy knifers became like a slang term in Nordic countries for like people who like think they're really impressive because they have a, you know, they have not <laughs> they have a heavy knife. Yes. The they have the like metaphorical equivalent of a heavy knife. Um, is Cloud Strife a heavy knifer? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but what's incredible is at the very beginning they throw an actual like one of the heavy knives at the guy. Uh huh. Just like at his head. Yeah. And he's oh, like right there. <laughs> yeah. Um and then later on there's this sequence where he's like coming out. It's, it is the stairs sequence where he's like coming down the stairs, um, from this like temple to Odin and he's put on the, the armor of Odin, but it's like under a cloak. So they don't know it yet. Um, and the, the like final guy is just like, like shooting arrows into him and it's just like sticking into his chest and he's like tearing them out and breaking them. Um, and that was just like actual arrows that they were shooting into his chest. Because mm-hmm. he was just wearing leather armor. But it was, like, actual, just, like, of the era leather armor. It's wild. They they shot this man in the chest with multiple arrows. <laughs> I'm, like, so surprised he's not dead. It's great, though. I highly recommend it. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I gave it an A-, because he walks downstairs while getting shot in the chest with arrows. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love Throat of Blood. <laughs> um. The other thing that I watched was Falker, which means Falcon, which is an Icelandic film starring Keith Carradine. Weird. Um, you told me that the other day. It's still weird. Yeah. And it's by Frederick Thor Fredrickson, who did Angels of the Universe. Um, and I ended up enjoying it a lot more than like my memory of it. Because mm-hmm. um, I'd watched it once and then like I owned the DVD because that's how I got it and watched it. But I just like never watched it again. Because uh, they're kind of doing like a little bit of a manic pixie dream girl with the the girl who he meets in Iceland who turns out to be his daughter, um, but not like in the ways that I remember. Like she's kind of quirky, but Keith Carradine is just like annoyed with it throughout most of the movie, and it's just like, why do you just like keep spending our money on stupid shit? Like he's not like taken in by it at all, um, which I think like saves it a little bit. It's not like she like comes into his life and like shows him things. It's like he is really annoyed with this girl and then does the math and is like, shit, I think she's my daughter. And then is like, okay, I'm going to try and help her out just because I like feel this weird obligation to her. Not because I'm like taken in by how like weird and quirky she is. Mm-hmm. So that, that like helped it a little bit. Um, the other part is a lot of the beginning of the movie is just like Keith Carradine laying in a uh, Icelandic hotel saying into a tape recorder like he's like cooper or something (laughs) about how like being an ex-con is a bitch and it's just great that's (laughs) just the vibes i want from keith carradine um and the main stairwell scene is there's a part where um so the police just absolutely suck in this 
Um, and there's a part where one of the, the police officers is like basically trying to assault the quirky girl Dua. Um, and he creeps down the stairs with a shotgun and shoots the police officer in the arm. Um, and that's just a great moment. And then like everything pops off because they have to like free, flee the country now. Cause obviously the cops are mad at them, but, um, so I gave it a, a B plus. It wasn't like a great stairwell shot, but it is still Keith Carradine creeping downstairs with a shotgun to shoot a cop. So sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> um, Considering this is like in my recollection one of the worst Fredrickson Fredrickson movies, he he does pretty good. Yeah. Um, I watched Rafifi. Stop me if you've heard this one. A very sad man gets out of prison and finds out that his wife is with somebody else now, and so he plots a a bank heist to get back at the guy who stole his wife from him. How does that get back at him? <laughs> uh i guess i guess to get back at the the i guess it's not directly related i that is an in an oceans 11 innovation i guess is the the direct Mm -hmm. directness because this guy is just mad that his wife left him and so he's gonna rob a bank (laughs) but it doesn't i guess it doesn't actually affect the guy who stole his wife (laughs) yeah um This movie is pretty fucking good. Uh, it is a 1950s French movie, um, which I just thought I didn't like, but apparently that's my thing now. <laughs> um, uh, and um, it's just four very serious men robbing a bank. There's like a, like, this movie is famous for having like a 30 minute sequence where like, they don't fucking speak. You just watch them rob the bank. That's it. (laughs) Um, It's like all in like real time. They're like sync your watches or whatever. And they they do. And then like you see the clocks like go and like they they fucking rob that bank. (laughs) Um, the, The rest of the movie around it is like pretty solid, I think. There's like, you know, 30, 45 minutes after they rob the bank of like them all slowly getting caught one by one. Um, and like, or getting killed actually more. Um, there's like, you know, all the stuff before it that's setting up, like, how are we going to like deal with the alarms? And that's fun. But mostly you're just here for the, for the bank heist sequence. And it's, it's pretty fucking good. You, I understand why they just totally like stole this movie to make Ocean's Eleven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, apparently I gave it a B plus for stairwells. Uh, I don't remember why. <laughs> I'm sorry. I watched this movie over a week ago. I'm sorry. I do not remember the stairs. <laughs> um, oh, also, it's just called Rafifi because there's a big um, musical number partway through where they sing a song called Rafifi, um, which is just fantastic. More no- more movies should pad the runtime with uh, non sequitur musical numbers. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just because the French title is way longer, but I don't speak French, so I'm just gonna like see what does this French title even come at to. You? Oh, um, in the they don't they don't translate. Um, so so the song she sings, Rafifi, she's yeah. like, oh, I I I want like a man of action, but then she'll sing like Rafifi, and like I want a man who's like willing to kill for me but she'll say like Rafifi like Rafifi is just like this 
word that she sings in the song that sort of means like being a Lupin type guy. I think this movie is why I ended up watching an episode of Lupin. Um, yeah, actually, I think that was the connection there. Um, that that first episode of Lupin, pretty fucking good. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that's everything I got about. Uh, Sorry, I just watched this movie a week ago. I just don't have much. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can talk about another French film from the 50s. Hit me. Um, it is a short film called Un Chant d'Amour, or Song of Love. Oh, right. This is the gay porn you were watching. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, it's it's gay erratic. Please. Um, so the, the basic plot of this is, like, they're, they're a bunch of men in prison, and we get the security guard, like, looking through the little holes you know, where you'd like check in on the prisoners. Um, and basically every single guy in this prison is just like masturbating at the same time. Um, and so there's like the two main characters and, and one of them is, um, dancing with like the, the woman tattoo on his arm and then like lays down on the bed to start masturbating. The guy in the cell next is like, seems to be yearning for that guy and is trying to like poke a straw through a hole in the wall to like blow cigarette smoke in, but the guy over there isn't noticing. And then there's just like other people who are just like in various, like guy taking a bath and then like turns around and he's masturbating and everything. Uh, this is the beginning of the film, but it's all like kind of rhythmically dancing. <laughs> Why are you watching this? <laughs> because it's like a important, like it's queer art. film. God, what's wrong with you? And so then, after this, like, initial part of just, like, everyone is masturbating in this prison, um, it then, like, focuses in on the, the two prisoners at the very beginning, and they start, like, shotgun kissing through the, the straw on the wall. Mm-hmm. So, like, one of them will, like, take a puff of, of the cigarette and, like, blow it through the straw so the other person can inhale it. Um, and then they're, like, trying to do these other methods, like, tapping on the wall, um... And also, like, through the, the windows, trying to, sw- like, one guy's trying to swing a flower to the other guy. Um, or, like, a, a thing of flowers. Um, and then it's, like, we get, like, weird sort of uh, fantasy space where they, like, are actually, like, the wall's not between them and they get to, like, actually be together. Um, and then the guard sees what's happening and goes in and is, like, basically threatening one of the guys and then like forces him to fillet a, a pistol. But then, and you're like, Oh no, is this going to end bad? Uh, but then it doesn't. They're like, they finally managed to connect the flowers through the window. Um, and it, it, it's one of those things where you watch it and you're like, I can extremely see the metaphors at work here about like being gay in the fifties <laughs> and like being in prison and trying to like it's connect with people through the wall. <laughs> yeah, it's not. Um, it was really good. Like it was, it was a great piece of erotic from nineteen fifties, like France. But um, and like the the guy who directed it, who also stars as one of the the two main guys, um, Jean Genet is like a a noted writer and like activist and everything. Mm. Um, I think this is the only film that he did. Mm. I could be wrong on that, but um, but yeah, it's like the metaphors are obvious, and yet also like. It's a film from the 50s where, like, someone is, like, very explicitly expressing, like, queer desire and suffering. So, like, you can you can do your really obvious metaphors. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then I also paired it up with, I watched the Kaze-san 
um, OVA, mm-hmm. uh, which is like the other side of the coin of just like, oh, it's like the the new like this is just like a cute romance story, but they're just two girls. Mm-hmm. Um, the the movie was like completely devoid of like any real stakes. You know, mm-hmm. we go from the extreme of like you were in prison and like the prison guard is going to make you fillet a gun to just like, oh no, like I'm I'm like embarrassed because we touch shoulders because it's like <laughs> high school romance um it was it like it was such i watched these both the same day and it was just such a like stark contrast mm-hmm. um i'm kind of glad that we live in the world where like <laughs> there can just be the like cute no stakes like yuri anime mm-hmm. um where like the only real stake at the end is like oh one of them's gonna move to tokyo and then like the other one's all like oh no is this like are we breaking up and then the like goes and meets her at the the uh train station and then you know they're together um but yeah it was it was just like nothing but vibes really there's no part in this movie where i was like oh no things are gonna go wrong (laughs) i was just like oh it's just like cute gay girls Mm -hmm. whatever Mm-hmm. <laughs> um it did illustrate for me though that so i did put on nana i'm gonna rate the stairs on nana here but it also illustrated why nana works for me so much because nana starts with the like going to tokyo and it's just like no like you even if you go to tokyo together and like go to university because you're graduating high school mm-hmm. that doesn't like that's not the end that's the beginning of a like relationship yeah really yeah, <laughs> like high school relationships are. I say this as someone who's married to the person that I was dating in high school. Mm-hmm. High school relationships are such nothing compared mm-hmm. to like when you're an adult. Yeah, and there's like a a process that also has to happen. Of like, we went to schools on other parts of of the country, like other sides of the country, and had to like do work to stay together. Mm-hmm. And that that's like so much more involved than this nonsense. Like this, just like complete light Yuri. Yeah, light Yuri. Uh, which again was very cute and fun vibes. But, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's also just like it's just ridiculous for me as like a full adult watching something where it's like, oh, we're gonna touch shoulders. It's like <laughs> adults just like this is another thing I appreciate about Nana is like the first volume people are just having sex because they're adults. That's like yeah. what happens in relationships. Yeah. Um. So yeah. But anyway, rating some stairs. Uh, F for. Unchant d'Amour, there was not a single step in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Kaze-san, C-, minus. there's a part where... There's a few stairs, but the, the main one... The other ones are kind of just framing shots, but there's one where um, Yamada runs down the stairs when like Kaze-san comes over to her house for the first time to make tea and is like nervous. And then we like, get kind of a little like running down the stairs and then getting all nervous and then excited. Um, it's not that great, but it's still kind of thematic to the plot of this extremely light plot Yuri anime. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and the Nana A plus the whole thing in it is they have to walk up a whole bunch of stairs to get their, to their apartment. Cause it's the only way they can get a cheap apartment is that it's like decent, but at the top of like a 20 floor building with mm-hmm. no elevator. So you definitely get shots of them tired walking upstairs, which is just great. <laughs> <laughs> Um, my next, uh, uh, I, I got two movies, but I can talk about them as one movie because they're basically the same shit. Uh, I forgot to put on the spreadsheet, uh, uh, Ghidorah, the three-headed monster. Oh, I'm not yeah, sure what the that. 
uh, Japanese title is, uh, nor do I actually care. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, yeah, I watched Mothra vs. Godzilla and I watched um, Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster. Uh, Mothra vs. Godzilla is way better than I remembered it being, and Ghidorah is way worse than I remembered it being. Um, that that's correct. <laughs> <laughs> because um, the the thing is that like Ghidorah is like one of the big iconic monsters of uh, this franchise. But he's kind of just a chump in this first movie. <laughs> um, the suit doesn't look very good. Um, the fights are bad. It's mostly just Godzilla like throwing rocks at Ghidorah um, while Rodan and Mothra distract him. Um, it's just not great. This is the movie that has the scene where uh, Mothra's just like, not refusing to listen to, or sorry, Rodan's refusing to listen to Mothra as Mothra is desperately pleading to like do something, yes. which is the, maybe the most incredible like two shot in cinematic history. <laughs> of just the bird like doing like little circles, no, with its head, uh, as a worm just kind of chirps at it over and over again. Meanwhile, the 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 twin ladies who are like have a psychic connection to Mothra, um, like are narrating. Rodan's not listening. Mothra is pleading, but Rodan's not listening. <laughs> Godzilla's saying, "What should humans do to? What should? Why should we help humans? They always bully us." The the Shobichin have the most thankless job in those movies. They're great. They're always great. Love to yeah. see them. But God, it sucks. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I, I I love them. Um, I love them more in Mothra versus Godzilla, um, where they're more mm-hmm. like the centerpiece. Uh, in this movie, they're just kind of like there because. They need some humans that could talk to the monsters, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> um, Mothra versus Godzilla. I, granted, I haven't seen King Kong versus Godzilla in a very long time, but Mothra versus Godzilla really feels like the movie where Honda just decides, nah, this is, I'm just going to make goofy movies now. I don't fucking care anymore. I'm not doing serious King, shit. <laughs> King Kong versus Godzilla is pretty, um, pretty silly. Okay. It's pretty silly. Okay. Uh, it's got like its moments, but like, a lot of the human stuff in that is like very broad and it mostly yeah. works. Like they get comedic actors and they do a good job. But yeah, I think these, I think those two are very of a type. Um, yeah. Honestly. Um, and I feel like as, as you get closer to the end of the show of stuff, like it starts to bring like, you know, the seriousness back in a little bit, but mm-hmm. this middle, this middle of the show era, just goofy as shit. And, and Mothra vs. Godzilla, I think just like, works a lot better the human story is a lot more interesting um uh, you know what the one good part of um Ghidorah the three-headed monster is the human story because um there is a princess who um like believes that she is from venus because she fell out of a plane <laughs> um and so she is like giving prophecies of the coming of Ghidorah which are true yeah <laughs> Um, and meanwhile, um, there are guys who want to assassinate her because she's the princess that are chasing her. And so like just every five minutes, there's like a really goofy looking gunfight in this movie, (laughs) um, which is just not what I go to Godzilla movies for, but they were pretty fun actually. (laughs) So the thing about the princess in this that like, I cannot overemphasize enough when I was like watching these 
back when I was still doing movies as my main thing, I was trying to watch like all of the Toku stuff that uh, Toho was putting out, uh, out at the time, which means like Honda did like the Mysterians and Battle of, in Outer Space, like between like before this stuff, which mm. are movies just about humans fighting aliens in space. Like for someone like watching these movies as they come out, it would make total sense if he, she was actually a space princess here on Earth. Yeah. Those characters litter those types of movies. I want to, I want to, um, I didn't bother to like track them down because I've just been watching this on the Criterion channel. Yeah. But I really want to watch Mysterians and Valerians and Varen. Um, mm-hmm. Like the the not Godzilla movies that he was doing before Godzilla just became, you know, ate up his whole career. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I, I the human story in Mothra vs. Godzilla is better, but the human story in Ghidorah is like the only fun part of the movie. And so I have a I, I'm maybe a little more fond of it. Um, hmm. I also just think that like there's a there's a moment where like the princess deadpan stares into camera and says, like, I am from Venus. Ghidorah will come to your planet and turn it into a tomb. <laughs> And I'm like, that's pretty good. <laughs> that's just like a good moment in a movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm gonna give both these movies F for stairs because um, they're a kaiju movie. They just don't have stairs in them. <laughs> yeah. Um, kind of hard to to work those in with it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm sure there are shots. I remember shots. Uh, you, you know what? You can bump Ghidorah up to a D because there is a. One nice shot where you get a whole crowd running down a big stairwell. I love any shots in like Honda movies where you get just like a huge crowd of people. Yeah. Um, oh, also for Ghidorah, they brought back um, who's our guy? Ikiru. What's his What's his name? Um. Oh, the, uh, Shimura. Yeah, yeah. He's a, he's back for this one. He's playing a different character now, and it's not as good. But he's he's back, and you're just like, oh, it's him. Yeah. <laughs> I love that guy. Yeah. He's going to do electroshock therapy on the princess, but it, it turns out fine because Godzilla cuts the power. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, thanks, Godzilla. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I have two movies to talk about mm-hmm. that are, are both by Sona Shion. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them is a short film, which is zero centimeters to the fourth power, which I looked up what like centimeters to the fourth power relate to. It's some like weird thing yeah. about how things like flex. Yeah. Uh, it's like looking at a plane and figuring out how it would flex if like it a pressure mm-hmm. got applied from different areas. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. I knew this from a past life yeah. as a mathematician. <laughs> um, right. Anyway, this. So this was like from 2001. He was like more established at this point but hadn't done like suicide circle the thing that just like absolutely like blew him up as a director um could i just say watching (laughs) watching this movie after having seen suicide Circle, watching cure after having seen suicide (laughs) circle very funny the way that he's just ripping this movie off (laughs) anyway (laughs) um and the by all accounts, and the vibe of it is also this, is um, he was shooting another movie, um, I Am Keiko, and there's, like, some people in here that were in that. There's there's some, like, techniques, and it kind of seems like he was just shooting that and being like, I just want to make, like, a, a short film at the same time. Um, and so the basic plot of it is there's just, like, this character who is colorblind and is going to undergo a surgery in a week to, um, like, be able to see color. Mm. And... It's just him with, like, a bunch of cameras 
just littered all over this like Japanese style house, um, just filming himself. And they're all just like various like digital video cameras from 2000. So it's like, you know, low quality, like he's, he's doing interesting things with the effects and with like the quality of it, but it is just like low quality digital video throughout mm. this. Um, and there's just lots of rapid cutting between the different ones. And, it's never fully explained why he has a bunch of cameras. The vibe I get is like, you can set different filters. And so you can set different filters to be like, okay, if you set this one, like, so like basics of photography, if you've ever seen like, do you, do you know Ansel Adams is a photographer? Yeah. Either of you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he has these like very dramatic skies in his photographs. They're all black and white photographs. And it's because mm-hmm. he uses a red filter mm-hmm. on the lens. And so the red interacts with the blue of the sky and darkens the blue while the clouds stay light. And so you get this like really dramatic thing. It also darkens the grass because like red and green also contrast. Yeah. Um, and so depending on what filter you put on something, even if you have like a monochrome, like black and white film, you can affect how that's going to come out on the film because certain colors will darken, certain colors will lighten. And so I think some of what's like trying to be reached here is that he's looking through something that has like, oh, like all green filter on it. But that is like helping him see in some ways, like what is, how do different colors look? And if I'm like aware that like this thing is darkened by the camera, Mm -hmm. then like it is the opposite color or whatever. And he has like all these things like laid out that are like explaining color wheel stuff that are like on walls. Um, And so it starts with him kind of excited about like, oh, I'm going to like be able to see colors and I'm like trying to figure out what this is going to be like. Um, And then he becomes increasingly like frustrated of like, but what if actually the world of colors is worse than like the world that I'm seeing right now? Because right now, like that could be any color, like color is like meaningless to me. And so there's like endless possibility in that. Um, And this is like the basic I think point of it is just this, like, the the tension of, like, w- wanting this thing, but then also being, like, this thing is, like, making me more similar to other people, and am I actually losing something in that process? Mm. Um, so, I think, like, it's a kind of short film that, um, if he wasn't, like, more established and more used to, like, doing this kind of V-Cinema stuff, uh, it could just be, like, extremely boring and tedious, but he's just like been making stuff like this long enough that like the editing is like frantic enough to keep you engaged. Mm-hmm. Um, the colors are interesting. Uh, you get a great shot at the end where he's just absolutely destroying the house. Uh, and it's just like following him through the house as he's like smashing things. Um, and so it ends up, I ended up enjoying it quite a lot uh, as like a short film. But um, so yeah, that, that was basically that movie. And then I kind of watched like an ex- other extreme of Sono, which is his first American film with Nicolas Cage. Uh, it's on Shutter right now. People can go watch it. It's called Prisoners of the Ghost Land, and it's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> um, testicles are like a major thing throughout this movie. Um, Nicolas Cage's testicles. Yeah, specifically Nicolas Cage's. Um, so the basic premise is that he was like a ruthless uh, bank robber, and the governor's daughter is missing. She actually ran away. Um, and he breaks the Nicholas Cage's character out. Who's just called hero throughout it. Um, to go find his daughter. 
but it's like in order to make sure that you're like staying on task, I'm going to put you in this suit that has explosives on various parts of your body, including both of your testicles. Um, and so he's just through like throughout the movie running around with like two glowing testicles on his suit. Um, one of which does explode at a point in the movie. Um, and he holds it up and he says, Shiro Aka, <laughs> which is just like white red. Um, yeah. But so I was watching this and I was like, if I was not watching this just because I'm like, I'm just fully in V cinema brain right now. Uh-huh. If I was not watching this because it was Sono, I was just like, oh, it's the new Nicolas Cage thing. I'm going to hit play on it. I think I would just be like, this is like weird Hollywood racism. And knowing that it is Sono doing it is like, I think that this whole movie is taking the piss out of things like Kill Bill. Mm -hmm. It's just like Hollywood just loves using Japanese imagery and like just mixing different time periods with like no concern for how these time periods mix. Uh, It is like fully aware i think of what it's doing when it has like a car right out like a palanquin like surrounded by people at like <laughs> clapping and stuff and they're like kind of doing something that you might see in a samurai movie but it also kind of feels like a like school chant that would happen in japan or something um yeah i think he's just like fully aware especially because so much of the the story too is centered around like so the ghost land is this place where uh all these people there was a nuclear bomb that went off And if the clock, like, strikes three o'clock, it's going to go off again. And so they have, like, this giant staircase going up to the clock where people are holding on to, like, a rope that's tied to the minute hand. And they are, like, holding it back so that the the clock won't continue to move. And I think it's just, like, fully thinking about and, like, having fun with and, like, taking the piss out of the, like, weird, timeless Orientalism around Japan that Uh happens in, in American movies. Um, in a way that, like, I don't know if it, like, really amounts to anything super meaningful, other than I just thought it was very funny to see, like, a Japanese director, like, just making fun of this stuff, and and taking a bunch of Hollywood money, and just, like, doing an extremely dumb, fun movie with it, (laughs) uh, that's kind of about how Americans are stupid. (laughs) So... Last movie on the list. We can do it. <laughs> oh, I was going to rate stairs. Oh, yes. Um, D minus for the zero centimeters to the fourth power. Mm-hmm. Uh, he runs down the stairs as he's leaving the house after destroying it, but there's not much there. Um, and then Prisoners of the Ghost Line, I gave B plus for the, the giant set of stairs where they're holding the clock. And Nicholas T- Cage does go to the top of the stairs and yell the word testicle. So um, <laughs> <laughs> that's deserving of a B plus for me. Does Nicolas Cage speak Japanese in this movie, or a little bit, not a lot? Okay, but I mean, he says Shiraaka. So. Okay. Um, I could say Shiraaka. I don't speak yeah. Japanese. Yeah, <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't speak Japanese, but he's given a few short lines in Japanese okay. to say phonetically. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always thinking about um the the start of um the second rebuild movie where they have the guy who's playing um Kaji Kaji uh just phonetically saying lines in English it's great yeah. <laughs> one of my favorite things in a movie um yeah the, probably the best thing that happens in Ava is 
The other thing that feels really obvious about Prisoners of the Ghostland is that, like, most of the cast, which is just masses of people, are, like, it was shot in Japan, and it's just, like, predominantly Asian cast. Mm -hmm. All of the minor characters are Asian, and then, like, all of the extras are. Um, Probably mostly Japanese, but, like, I heard some, like, I don't super know different regions of, of China, but I heard, like, Chinese, like, probably Mandarin mm-hmm. uh, is what it sounded like, but I don't know it enough to, like, fully mm-hmm. identify, especially for short lines between, like, Mandarin and Cantonese and stuff. Yeah. Um, But then all of the, like, char- the main characters who have power, mm-hmm. not the ones who don't, but the ones who have power are all white. Mm-hmm. Um. And the the best is the governor, who just, like, has a very put-on, like, I... I don't know if this actor is from the South, but it sounds super fake Southern accent. Okay. Um, and he just says Yasujiro to talk about his like henchmen. And it's just Yasujiro. It's just so. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, anyway, we watched, uh, you explained this uh, the the original title to me, but I still can't quite grasp it, and I still don't know how I would say it. So I'm just going to call it Boiling Point, which is the second uh, Kitano Takeshi movie. Um, yeah. That movie's really fucking good. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's no Sonatine, but you know what is? Yeah, I mean it's like the it's the first movie that he wrote and directed. Yes, um, yes. because Violent Cop is like. He was just supposed to star in mm-hmm. and then um, was also a comedian and had like a TV show and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and was it was it Fukusaka Kinji who was directing it and just got fed up with him being like, I can't work with your schedule. You direct it. I, I don't know. I read this on Wikipedia yeah. at some point. I think I think you have that right, though. I know that whoever the director was got really fed up with him. Yeah. Um, and then told him to direct it. And then he did. And then, like, started a directing career off of it. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, Violent Cop is just far more like this is just a straight yes, Yakuza uh, movie. Um, Boiling Point is a lot of fun because um, it's about, like, a couple kids who, like, fall in with some Yakuza and, like, Kind of like a a story you've seen in a million different Scorsese movies, you know? Um, and then, like, at the midway point, they meet, um, you know, Kitano? Kitano's yeah. character? Well, they meet... Be- beat Takashi. <laughs> yeah. Please. <laughs> they meet his character, and he just as an actor, has a gravity that just, like, melts the whole movie. Just, like, the moment, the the first time he's on screen, it's just a different movie now. And, yeah. like, it, he just, like, alters reality around him. He's such a weird motherfucker in this. <laughs> um, it's bizarre because he's both, like, the most, like, despicable man to, like, his girlfriend, and yet, and yet also is just doing the gayest shit. Yes. Um... <laughs> Like, there's a part where he is, like, basically feeling up a guy uh-huh. and, like, getting really close to his crotch and smelling it and stuff. It's bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> and then, with, like, 15 minutes left, he kills off his character. And, and a little shortly after that, I'm like, man, this movie's not as good now that he's gone. And the moment that I said that, a truck blows up and then cut to credits. So uh, a truck drives into a building and it blows up and cut to credits. Yeah. yeah. It's incredible. <laughs> this movie rocks. Um, 
And the best part about Kitano is that he'll have a truck drive into a building and blow up. And instead of like focusing on how sick and cool it is that a a car drives into (laughs) a a building, a truck drives into a building and blows up. Um, He just focuses on the character who is trying to get a ride on the truck and was riding a bike after it and then just stares at it being like, I'm glad I wasn't on that. (laughs) Um. Um, also, there's a lot of baseball in this movie that's not really I, about baseball, despite the fact that the Japanese title is the score of the baseball game. I kind of wish that this was just a straight like baseball movie. Um, th- there was just like a, a a a light, maybe a little dark comedy about some yakuza playing baseball mm-hmm. because all the baseball scenes are like really good and like feel like it feels like Kitano like cares about baseball. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It feels like he like has watched a lot of baseball in his life and knows how to make a baseball scene funny. Um, yeah. And I just wanted more of that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but, he knows enough to, to have an entire joke around someone not knowing enough baseball that they make a serious mistake that costs them the game. It's really fucking funny. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the we were talking while we were watching this about the idea of a Kitano directed film that's just like two rival Yakuza game gangs, but they have to play a game of baseball and they decide to like commit to good sportsmanship. Yeah. That would be a great premise be, for it would be an all time like yeah. five out of <laughs> five out of five, like great fucking movie. <laughs> yeah. Um I just love Kitano movies a lot. It's no Sonatine. Yeah. But But what is? <laughs> Maybe Hanabi, the Sonatine, the movie before he got into a serious car accident that he thinks of as a suicide attempt, and then Hanabi, the movie right after. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. There's okay. maybe one other that was like kind of in there, but... Okay. Um, huh. The timing of it's weird. Yeah. Because um, of like production stuff. Mm-hmm. But... Um, do we want to talk about Cure? Oh, do we have oh. stairs for... I don't remember any I don't stairs. Remember I don't any remember stairs. I'm, I'm sorry. I need to. Marks. I need to get better about like writing these down in the moment, and maybe like jotting for myself like some notes, or just texting you like, "Oh, I'm giving this a B because blah blah blah." Yeah, this is part of why I've started just tweeting the stairs on media file, mm-hmm. and so that I can look before recording and be like, "Oh, that's right, those stairs." I remember now. Anyway, M, I know you love Kitana. <laughs> Um, I've only seen a couple, but I did like the ones I've seen. Which yeah. ones have you seen? Um, so with the with the caveat that it's been since the early aughts since I watched any of these, I've seen Sonatine. Uh, Sonatine, I've seen Hanabi, I've seen Zatoichi. I think that's it. I forgot he did a Zatoichi movie. Yeah. I should watch that. It's yeah. fine. It's fine. I should watch old Zatoichi movies, actually. Those yeah. are also fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's what i want though that's yeah. what i want from them is just like oh a mo- a samurai movie that's okay <laughs> yeah the the thing i want is just like the big box set and then sometimes when i just want to watch a movie and not think that much i just put on the next one in the box set yeah so oh, I, ha- I, might, I have yeah. i have seen i have seen ghost in the shell 2017 in which he acts does that count he's in that movie i do oh he's did. he's he's aramaki <laughs> Yeah, I did. I did actually see this um, when I was looking at stuff that he's been in. Um, um, 
He is extremely floating it in the entirety of that movie. Um, oh, that's sure. a bad film. Should. Nobody should watch. Nobody should watch that film. It's very bad. But yeah. as someone who was like, I'm going yeah. through Ghost in the Shell, I gotta watch that one. Whoo, mm-hmm. that's yeah. a bad fucking movie. We're, we're it's probably not got doing some good stairs in it, though. It probably does. <laughs> we're not watching it on Ghost Divers. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fine. It's not um, anime. Anime Janai. Anime yeah. Janai. <laughs> um. Anyway. Cure. Yeah. Um. Do you do you want to? Yeah. I'll, I, let me let me Google Cure so I can give everybody like the rundown. It's a. I want to say 1997, but I don't trust myself. Uh, yes, it is 1997. Okay. Kurosawa Kiyoshi. Yeah. Um. No, I just I typed this... in Cure and I got the band. <laughs> uh, I thought this was very funny. I was looking at the Wikipedia page for Kurosawa Kiyoshi. And for his biography, uh, the first thing you learn about him was the day he was born. The second thing you learn about him is where he was born. And then the third thing is that he's completely unrelated to Kurosawa Akira. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So, Cure, 1997. I'm going to say horror movie because that is what this Mm-mm. is like. <laughs> nope. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're, I, we're all Thriller. in agreement here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, is a is a nineteen ninety seven like quote unquote horror movie, mostly just a thriller, um, about a detective investigating a series of murders, um, where all these people have an X slashed into their necks, but um they're like different people confessing to each murder, basically. Yeah. And there's like a clear like MO across all of them, but not like, you know, there's different killers each time. So he's trying to figure it out. And what it turns out is there's this guy um, who is an amnesiac question mark, um, who is hypnotizing all of them into murdering other people. And um, they actually catch this guy like midway through the movie, um, which I kind of didn't expect. Um, And then the rest of the movie is about, the detective and the killer, like, slowly driving each other insane. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, culminating in, like, um, the detective just kills the killer, and then a very ambiguous ending about, like, ooh, are the murders going to keep going, though? Uh, this movie fucking rocks. <laughs> I um I need to I need to stop talking about Cure for just a second. I yes. need to mention the lead in this movie, Koji Yakusho plays uh Takabe. Um the year before this is the lead in Shall We Dance, uh one of the most famous 90s Japanese films. Uh, and uh that's all I could see. I just like that movie a lot and watching him be the burnt out detective in this, I was losing my entire mind the entire time. <laughs> I'm not familiar with Shall We Dance. I'm oh, you should watch Shall We Dance. Yeah. It's really cute. It's really good. Huh. This looks cute. I, yeah, I would watched <laughs> the American version on TV when I was young and then watched the um, Japanese version. It's a very good movie. Weird yeah. how many um, movies were getting American remakes at this specific time. I, I don't think of this as like a trend that like... I think of it as like very localized to the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, well, now people just want to adapt video games and comic books, so... Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, anyway, I was just watching this movie and thinking, man, I love Hannibal. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing. I don't think this is that Hannibal-y. 
I know that that's like the obvious go-to, but I just don't, I don't feel it. I think it's doing something else. It's like more like its own thing. Um, and I would hesitate to put it on that because Hannibal's so much about like the, 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 the culprit leads a very like, not innocent, but like open and, uh, vulnerable detective by the nose. And Kira's about a, the culprit trying to like break down the like iron and awful will of a detective in the world to make him see that like the thing like his way of being is monstrous which is like the opposite of Hannibal. Hannibal's about acceptance that Will needs to learn that he's fine just the way he is um mm. and I think here is the, the opposite of that where he the uh Takabe has to learn that he is a, a monster living in a world that is uh unfit for anyone the, yeah. uh a thing that I I had seen this before, but like far more of the the time. I was kind of honestly mm. surprised at like the reaction we got when we announced we were doing Cure and everyone was like popping off for this. Because so I made like a list when you were gonna be on of just like here's some like kind of V cinema or like around that time, um, or stuff that would have inspired V cinema mm-hmm. things that we could do. Um and we landed on Cure because you both are like, that sounds interesting. Um, and I was like, I think I'd seen one of the other ones you had mentioned. I kind of want to watch something I hadn't seen. Yeah. Before. Um, and th- this is like, this is a film. It's not actual V cinema, but was like a part of the same movement mm-hmm. that gave mm-hmm. legitimacy to V cinema. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I found out after we decided to watch it, that it was on criterion. And I was like, that kind of makes sense because this is like the very respectable, mm-hmm film from this period like mm-hmm. if criterion's gonna do one it's gonna be cure mm-hmm. um but yeah in general i kind of just had a memory of like oh yeah it's the one that's like about you know hypnotism and like oh are are people actually being hypnotized to do these murders or is it just that like we all have within us the capacity to murder and this guy's just like finding the thing to push mm-hmm. that will like get that person to murder someone uh-huh um, but that we all like have that capacity because one of the things that comes up in the, the film is um, like, you know, no one will like break their morals before, before I was re before I was reading about it, I was watching this and like, this really reminds me of mother, the, uh, Bong Joon-ho movie. And I like the Wikipedia is like, oh yeah, he cites, this as one of the most influential movies in his career. I'm like, no, that totally makes sense to me. This, yeah. Like, okay. This, <laughs> this, this movie that's not like. It's not a horror movie, but the, the the way people will label as horror is about this creeping dread that like mm. <laughs> it's it's like the fucking killing joke thing, right? But like good, where it's like God. everyone is just <laughs> yeah. is just one inflection point away from being their worst <laughs> self and doing something that monstrous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but the thing that this watch through, I was really taken by, because I, I was kind of aware of like that base thing that I thought about the movie mm-hmm. was how like uh, Takabe becomes the like foil to this like hypnotist mm-hmm. because he behaves in very similar ways where it's like, yes. no, you don't know anything about me. I'm the one who asks you questions. Yes. And he's like the one that for a while the hypnotist cannot get through because he's doing the exact same techniques of being like, no, you don't know about me. I'm just like, I am cop. Yeah. Who am yes. I? I'm a police officer. Yeah stop asking me questions i'm asking the questions yeah and he's like going at it in this like far more like aggressive way whereas the hypnotist is very like oh i don't remember why don't you tell me about yourself but like they're doing the same tactics mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and it's like literally when he, the hypnotist gets through to other people who know like takabe that the, he can like actually finally break through 
Um, but that was the part that like struck me this time when I was just like fully aware of the other stuff happening in this movie. Yeah. Mm. The the absolute like best moment of this movie for me, and it's a it's a thing that happens like several times in one scene. Is just every time the hypnotist asks like, "What's your name?" and Takabe replies. I'm a cop. Yeah. <laughs> it's incredible. It is so on the nose, but I'm I was eating that shit up. <laughs> um the thing I like about these two in concert is that Mamiya's whole thing is to be like his whole ideology is that people are living like the self that they think is them, but is not them. It's like very like persona-esque, right? It's like deep down, there's a thing that you wanted or you want that you can't have, and society isn't keeping is keeping you from it. So you should just go ape shit and get the thing you want. Uh, mm-hmm. Why not? If you just got to stab someone, who cares? That's just what life is. You should grab the thing with both hands. And it doesn't work on Takabe because he he just is living the life he wants. It just <laughs> happens to be like the worst thing in the world. <laughs> He's like, I'm miserable, but I like that. <laughs> I've got my wife who's like ill, has mm-hmm. anime disease. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and I'm a cop who's, who kind of hates my job, but I'm good at it, and that's fine. And I've got my dirtbag friend uh, who's like a psychiatrist uh, who just wears increasingly larger clothes until he is swallowed up entirely by them. <laughs> I thought that was like, for most of the movie, I thought that was his partner, and then it was like three quarters of the way in when I realized... I don't think that other guy's a cop. I think he just hangs out with him a lot. Yeah. He just hangs out with a psychologist, yes. He just looks like he's wearing his dad's pants the entire movie, because that's the style in 97, but yeah. it's ludicrous. I the, the best part about that guy, for me, was how much like his haircut and general look looks like mm-hmm. normally he is like just some bit character in a Yakuza movie where he's just like some <laughs> low-level grunt, and they're like, we need to look like you can hang out with a cop, so put on like really baggy clothes but not like cool baggy just like baggy and some yeah. glasses because yakuza would not wear glasses unless they were sunglasses yeah i kept thinking that he looks like brad pitt in seven yeah same vibe god yes yeah, <laughs> correct same vibe um but yeah i just like the 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 vibes in this movie are just unbeatable just like this the most miserable piece of shit cop ever. <laughs> well, it's interesting because part part of the like the V cinemaness uh mm-hmm. to make you happy is um <laughs> the spaces this movie inhabits are all like run down and dirty mm-hmm. and miserable. Like the uh Mamiya first shows up on a beach and there's like a guy sitting on the beach and the beach just littered with trash. It's just the nastiest beach I've ever Mm -hmm. seen. Um, Mm. A lot of the spaces, like the hospital feels like it's just like a silent hill decayed, like husk of a hospital. Like everything just feels like, like it's the end of the world. And these characters just kind of inhabit it. Like it's normal. And to me, that's like quintessential to this era of, of this kind of cinema is like, people are can be their worst selves or like live these quiet like suffering because the entire world feels like it's three days from ending mm-hmm. um, just aesthetically the other well, and also this like this gets intensified too by there's just extensive uses of long takes yes. in here mm-hmm. where like there's a scene on the rooftop and it's just like they're talking and then they walk to and the camera just follows them to another framing of a different part of the rooftop. Uh-huh. And then it like turns as they walk to another framing on the rooftop. And like 
many films would just have different shots and you would maybe get over the shoulder shots and things. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is just like, no, we're just going to let the tape run. Yeah. And people are just going to move through. There's like spaces that happen within houses too, where the camera just like keeps turning as they walk back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just roll the tape. Um, and that also, it, it depends. Like some V cinema just cuts constantly, but that also feels kind of like, well, we just like want to do one good take and then mm-hmm. move on. When we talked about um, Kagemusha, we talked about, like, the way that um, Kurosawa, like, Akira, um, would, like, do these incredible things where you have the most, like, perfectly composed, like, beautiful shot, and then the camera would, like, move and, like, pivot, like, five feet to the left, and you'd get another, like, beautiful, like, shot that's like a painting, you know? Yeah. Stupid fucking phrase, but you know what I mean. Um, And this movie also does that a little bit, but... Every every time it moves, it's just a different shitty room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just the same shitty apartment that you hate with your laundry machine that's too fucking loud. <laughs> I hate this and your, place. And your wife keeps turning it on even though there's nothing in there because yeah. she has anime disease. But you you can't be mad at her. She has anime disease. <laughs> yeah. So you just sigh and turn it off. Yeah. Um, It's interesting because like... So much of when we watch movies, like, like especially the Hollywood movies, you get this, like, we always talk about, like, the aesthetics of the 70s where everything just looked like shit, and that's just what the world looked like, and mm-hmm. that's what's represented on the screen, and then it all goes away. And this movie feels like such a deliberate, like, I've watched movies that take place in 90s Japan. 90s mm-hmm. Japan does not look like this everywhere. This is actively trying to recapture this, like, this rundown desperation of the world. For sure. Like, just to capture yeah. a vibe of people living like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's the thing that, like, really struck me about this. Um, it just, it's just like, it just feels, and it's, it gets a little like arch at the very end there where like, it's like the start of a zombie movie in that final shot. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, I, I get it, but I, you, you, you've pressed just like one, maybe like an inch too far for me, but it's the, fine. The last like minute and a half of this movie, like, I'm not going to say like lost me. No, I wouldn't go that far. But like, personally, it, maybe lost me in the sense of like, the last like minute and a half of this movie, like I couldn't quite decipher what was going on and had to like back it up like two or three times. And like, I I thought it was like cool the way it ended, like in a very ambiguous way, but it was just like a little too much where like, I, I just literally couldn't tell like what the ambiguity was even supposed to be. And yeah. I, 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 I don't know. It's one of those things too, where, um, after you were like trying to figure stuff out, I was like, is there like anything here that like, I just completely missed again. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I, I very briefly Googled and I found like a Reddit thread or something where someone was like, here's these questions I have at the end of the movie. And some of them were yours. Um, And then like people started trying to answer them, but one, the answers were stupid. And two, they referenced like, Oh yeah. Like it's like Donnie Darko. Here's how you, and I'm just like, Donnie Darko like fucked up movies. (laughs) Because I don't think that the point of that ending is like, oh, you go piece it all together and it's like, here's the evidence that shows that he's the new Mesmer or whatever. It's like, no, like the part that I don't like about that final shot is that I think the thing that it's most getting at is that he kind of is the new Mesmer, but also the whole point of the movie is that he was kind of just this, he was behaving the same way all along as the Mes, you know, as Mamiya. The thing that I needed instead of, watching the ending like two or three times was to just like sit on it for a day or two and be like, 
oh, that's what's happening. And I wanted an answer in that moment. And, and I, what I actually needed was to just chill. <laughs> yeah. But this, like, this, like, attempt to... And I don't think you were going to, like, the extreme that the... No. When I saw that Reddit thread, I was just like, I'm not digging any the, further. This is the stupid. The problem with Donnie Darko is that the director is also posting yes. in that Reddit thread. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, like, it's just such a cursed way to, like, think about movies to me. It's like, how do I, like, piece together the puzzle of the movie? It's um, terrible. <laughs> the thing the thing I actually did like about this ambiguity is the... So much of the lead-up has the, like, he goes to... Uh, Sakuma's like apartment and watches the video about like early mesmers coming to Japan and there are people from the West bringing this like new pseudoscience that like touches on like heretical beliefs and whatever. And um, then he plays the the wax cylinder. That's the thing that Mamiya heard back in the day. And it's it's like when they read from the Book of the Dead and Evil Dead. It's like oh my god, the, the act of the act of playing this like this blasphemy from like 150 years ago or whatever is summoning like a thing that was already nascent in the world. Mm-hmm. It's just waiting for like a, a, a match. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the thing that I think is like, for me more evocative than like is Takabe just like mommy. It's that both of them are catalysts for a thing that is just innate in people. Mm-hmm. And it, like, it doesn't matter that there's like a will there. It's just like, if someone comes by with the means to enable people to do that, people will do that. Um, which is, I think, the more unsettling answer. Uh, but it does end up like a little like Ponty Pool, like mimetic virus nonsense. But it's fine. It's 97. Or you're allowed to be a little corny about that thing. Very, very early on, I was like trying to figure out, like, is this movie going to go in a supernatural direction or is it going to go like in a like not, you know, just like real hmm. world um, direction? And I, I like that this is all like, real world stuff that evokes a feeling of something that is supernatural. I think it threads that needle so well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that it, 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 yeah, it feels like you've dug up something that you shouldn't have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, yeah. If you can, if you can like evoke the feeling of being haunted without there being an actual ghost, that's a, that's a good movie to me. That's good. Yeah. That's <laughs> cinema. <laughs> yeah. The bit where like, he sits down in uh, Sakuma's house and it like pans over and you see in his like bedroom, there's the big X there and he hasn't noticed. And when he points out, he like tries to scratch it out. Like that's one of the best scenes in the entire film to me. Well, the other thing that in that scene that I thought was so good is like the way that it, um, his friend starts being like, oh, you know, like the, the, the sudden like cut into like surreality that like it's just like unclear whose dream this is a little bit and like he says something about like Mamiya is like you know digging up an ancient incantation or something and then it's just like it the the friend like starts to have this fantasy but it is a fantasy that Takabe would be having um, which I just thought was like super interesting yeah Um, yeah it was like Two of the other more like, oh, this is this is maybe happening. And then one of them gets totally revealed as as fake. But then the other one doesn't is both of the times where his wife dies. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's it's very interesting that his like first image is like, no, she killed herself. Not I did Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Um, Which to me, like reveals a certain anxiety that he has that like 
what he's going to do is come home and find that his wife has like killed herself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not that he wants her dead, but he's actually like afraid that that is what's going to happen because of like yeah where she's at, and that I'll have mm-hmm. failed. Yes, you know, um, in a way where it's like then very hard for me to read the other part where it's like in the the hospital mm-hmm. and she's on the stretcher as one. That's a very weird per- way to like wheel out a person who has died Mm -hmm. (laughs) just like in reality (laughs) Uh, but also very hard for me to like read it as like he did this yeah um i could maybe read it as like mommy i went and did this before he went and met up with uh Mm -hmm. takabe at the like weird house but because he Mm -hmm. he's kind of just like as a cop he just needs every like piece to fit perfectly in its place and like he just wants the world to just like be the, the way that it is right now, yeah. <laughs> you know? And so it is hard to imagine him killing his wife in some ways, you know? Yeah. yeah. This movie does open with her in the hospital reading Bluebird, though, which is a, famously a folktale about a guy who murders wives. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not familiar with Bluebeard at all, so... A little on the nose. <laughs> yeah. Went over my head. <laughs> um... um try to think of other shit in this movie um we we got this in questions so maybe i don't need to dwell on it too much but um just love the oversized coats in this movie just (laughs) i also love how they all seem to be from the same store yes (laughs) the costume department guy is like i had these from the last movie put it on Um, do we want to move on to questions or I'm trying to think if I have, I'm trying to think if I have more stuff about this movie. I fucking loved this movie. I just, um, yeah, I don't know. I, it, I finished it and it was one of those movies that I'm like, oh, the next time I watch this, it's going to be even better. I think because I'm not going to be this time. I was just so hooked into trying to follow the, the plot that like next time I think like all the stuff that's not the plot is going to like reveal itself a little more. And I'm, I'm excited to watch this movie again. Maybe that'll be like next week. Maybe that'll be five years from now. I have no idea. So, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I, I did think of another thing that I wanted to mention, which is how little music is in this movie. And when it is, mm. it's like, so goofy. it's not even, well, there's the really goofy music at the beginning, but yeah. then otherwise there's some stuff where it's like, Almost just weird sound effects, but then yeah, are like a lot of it is of... a lot of it is the soundscape of like thrumming, like almost like fluorescent lights and like distant yeah. machinery yeah. that is itself like it's. I mean, it's meant to be hypnotic, right? In the same way, where it's like this is just the like the way the wife runs the washing machine. This is the like noise that puts everyone to sleep in the world. Um, which I mean, to be fair, like Mamiya's whole professed ideology, such as it is a little like jokery sometimes. A little it's bit. yeah. um, Um, there's definitely this like sense of like everyone in the world's asleep but you and me we're the only ones who can understand and see what the world's really like he literally turns him and says that the big police interrogation room scene he's like that man doesn't hear me but you hear me don't you and i'm like yeah okay (laughs) whatever (laughs) um there's a certain effect to it too where at once it is like hypnotic and soothing and at the other Mm -hmm. time there are these moments where it just like creates a sense of like sus- of dread and suspense that like mm-hmm. often doesn't even get paid off. Mm, It'll just yeah. like linger on like here's the the shot in his home where you see the washing machine. 
and it'll yeah. just linger on it for a while, and you're like, shit's gonna break bad, and then nothing happens. Yeah, yeah, um, the, the, that's the best uh, yeah. tension builder in all of uh, history. Is just <laughs> linger on a thing, nothing happens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. Yeah. I can see why this legitimized V cinema for lots of people. <laughs> um, oh, um, did you look at the cast? Uh, uh, Masato Hagiwara, who plays uh, Mamiya, uh, his his Wikipedia says, uh, Japanese actor, voice actor, narrator, and professional Mahjong player, which is just an incredible thing to be true about a man. Yeah. Um, somebody in this is a comedian, too, I think. I'm trying to remember mm. who. Um is my phone going to do that? No. Okay. Uh, the guy who plays Sakuma is listed as entertainer, actor, musician, and singer, which is a great uh, set of things to be also. Yeah. I should watch more uh, Kiyoshi Kurosawa movies. I've seen Pulse, uh, which I want to rewatch. I've been meaning to do it for a while because I bought the Blu-ray. Uh, but that's it. This and Pulse. Yeah, Pulse is great. Um, I'm a fan of Katagawa Pervert Wars, but I'm a V-Cinema sicko. Um, it's I, called Katagawa Pervert Wars. Yeah, so. Yes. Um, although that's not one of his. A thing that I find weird about his Wikipedia page is they specifically break out the V Cinema section and none of them have Wikipedia oh, this is pages. A pink film? Um, yeah. Okay. Um, he did. Um... Oh, he did Sweet Home? Damn. Yes. Okay. I've been meaning to watch Sweet Home forever um, just because of video game reasons. I think Sweet Home was one of the other movies that I suggested for this. It's great. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I have yet to see Serpent's Path, but it's uh one of his V Cinema ones that's about Yakuza. So I have it. I I was considering watching it, um, but I just didn't have time before we got here. Mm-hmm. He did like six movies in the Suit Yourself or Shoot Yourself movie uh or series. That is just like. That just sounds kind of interesting. I don't know. I would watch six kind of middling Yakuza movies yeah. from the 90s. Um, I would not. I would not. I would not do this <laughs> here, here, here are subtitles. The Heist. The Escape. The Loot. The Reversal. The Nouveau Riche. The Hero. <laughs> I, the, the difference between you and me is you list like six Yakuza movies. I'm like, no, absolutely not. You list like six like the trashiest horror films in the world. I'm like, yeah, of course. Right. Of course. Yeah. Happy to do it. We, we have our niches. <laughs> Um, yeah, one of the things that I, I did this week was I did just set up a Plex server that I named the V Cinema Sicko Cinematech because I just put a bunch of shit on there, mm-hmm. including all eight of the Red Peony Gambler movies because this is just who I am. Um, <laughs> I basically once a day now log on to Arrow and think about I could just get into horror movies. I just I could just put on a horror movie and watch it like blood and gore do not bother like i wish i watched more horror movies i'm so busy i never do but man they're good um i i don't know i just have like such a brain that's like i need to go like you know solicit some of my friends for like you know the 20 best horror movies whatever i could just put on horror movies it's fine i mean i i I could give you good horror movies but really you want to watch like a mix of good and like really bad horror movies yeah because that's it's just it's the genre to enjoy the breadth of the thing that is that is the 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 thing i need to get over in my mind is that i'm like because i have a lot of like there are a lot of like beloved classics of horror that i have not seen 
I need to just like get over like needing to watch all those, and I just need to go like watch a, like something that kind of sucks a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> stop. Um. Stop putting so much weight on it because I just want to like start watching more horror movies. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did get uh like free trial for Shutter. I had a thing where I got two months, mm. or no, I got one mm. month, and then I immediately did the thing I always do when I'm not planning to keep something, which is that I just go to cancel it so that it will stop after the month. And they were immediately like, please don't go. We'll give you an extra month. So I have two free months of shutter. Um, and I was like, maybe I'll get into horror films. Uh, I got it so that I could watch Tilbury. Um, and then the only other time I've used it is that I saw that a Sona movie was on it. (laughs) I just uh, just know who I am now. (laughs) Yeah. I, uh, Shutter's like, it's not going to have a lot of the stuff that you're looking for because a lot of the stuff they have is more modern and like Shutter's like a place where the quality is maybe like questionable, but I feel like they know what the vibe they're looking for is and they grab stuff that's interesting pretty regularly. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I feel like they're like month long. Like when they grab something for like, we just got a short program is usually pretty good and on point. Um, it's yeah. fun. It's, it's not arrow. It's not going to scratch itch. If you, if you know arrows for you, uh, it's the best. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing Arrow's is very for me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's the thing is the arrow is very for me. And so all the things that I see on there that I'm like, that's not my wheelhouse yet, but it could be. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, the other thing that's for me, I actually, I was going to do a shout out about this last time and I forgot. Um, but I've actually watched some films that are up on there, which let me just like quick run through and, and double check. So Song of Love is on there um, and Zero Centimeters to the, the Fourth Power, those two. Mm. Uh, there's a website called Rare Film with two M's dot com. So, it's, you know, just Rare Film and then add an extra M. Um, and they just have a bunch of stuff that's like hard to find. Mm hmm. They have a lot of V Cinema Sicko stuff on there. Um, I added other Sona movies like Phallus the Man that I'm really excited to watch. <laughs> uh, it is an entirely dialogueless movie about a gay cop um, that apparently has lots of sex in it and is called Phallus the Man. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, that that website is also. F- I mean, they have like a ton of stuff on there. There's you can like look by country. So. It's not just like weird Japanese stuff, but no, I'm um, scrolling through this and damn, there's uh, this is a lot. There's so many movies in the world. Is the thing. yeah, that's the thing. It, I I went on there because um, you you found this and I mentioned it to me and I was just like, I wanted to find this random Luis Buñuel movie from the '50s that I just like wanted to see a while back and could ne- could never find it. I found it there and then I just had a moment where I was like, there are so many like. Mexican movies from the 40s, 50s, and 60s that just no one in America watched and so, like, are just not... There's no cultural awareness, and I want to watch so many of these. Because yeah. <laughs> um, they look good. I don't know. I like random Buñuel movies from the 50s. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, he's Spanish, but he was making that movie in Mexico. And yeah. Anyway. Um, that's the thing is I, like... I look at that and I'm like, now this is like truly my thing. And there's not going to ever be a streaming service that is this. I don't no. think. But like, I am the person where I just, part of setting up my Plex server is I burned the copious amounts of Icelandic DVDs I own. Or I ripped them, mm-hmm. not burned them. Mm-hmm. Onto my computer so I can just watch them whenever I want. Um, because I'm just this person where I'm like, I want to find the weird thing that's like not anywhere. And watch that thing. 
Because mm. <laughs> I just like when when film is like the weirdest and like at the most extremes it can be mm. of like what people think a movie is. Um, this is what happens when you go to school for film and you just watch a movie, <laughs> like at least one movie a day for uh, six years of your life. <laughs> I did it for like two and it fucked me up forever so <laughs> oh just another girl from the rt's on that that's interesting because this has been on in, in and out of criterion pretty regularly yeah i'm just clicking next on this uh website there's a few a so movie. so pastoral and throw away your books uh, and rally in the streets are on there which are are two that i've talked about on this podcast before and highly recommend um but yeah there's there's stuff on there because i know like there's been multiple pushes to get pastoral added to the criterion collection mm-hmm. They still haven't mm-hmm. done it, but I feel like there's probably some stuff that got added there and then later got picked up by things. Oh, also, don't post about this. If you're listening to this, don't, don't, don't yeah. fucking post about it. <laughs> the the legality, I feel like part of the thing is that a lot of this stuff just, like, does not have distribution in the U.S., and that's yeah. part of why they have it, but it's also still Yahoo anime rules. Yeah. Yeah. I, that goes without saying. I, I know everybody in our audience is cool. I just wanted to reiterate Yahoo anime yeah. rules. <laughs> Um, computer ghosts man that looks sick the other the other thing <laughs> i noticed gonna... <laughs> is there's the like there's the slow download option um mm-hmm. and it will say like four hours and i was downloading them in like easily two so i feel like the amount that it says for the slow download this is rare for like websites like that that give you the like premium or slow download option but i feel like it's actually faster than it says so mm-hmm. okay um it still took me a. I still like spent days just having my laptop next to me at work and just downloading movies because you can only do one at a time. Mm-hmm. That's the big thing. Yeah. Questions? Sure. Sure. Um, Aiden asks, is it related to the thing we were just talking about, <laughs> if you had a specialized Blu-ray company, what kind of movies would you specialize in and what would you call it? Um, if I had a brulee releasing uh, <laughs> company, I would just have creme brulee every day. The thing. Shut I'd have the like a mint up. one. Shut I'd the have fuck like a chocolate up. one. The thing is, the thing is creme brulee is great, but like just like a flan. Could need a whole one. <laughs> I'm quitting the podcast. Um... <laughs> Anyway, obviously, I would just have the most V Cinema Sicko. Yeah, it would, it would just be, yeah, it, it would just be like crime movies broadly. I just like crime movies, always have, and hanging out with you too much has just specialized that to Japanese crime movies. But I'm just a crime movie person. Yeah, <laughs> um, I um, I would just want. It's weird because like, I think film licensing is like good and all, but like I don't. I don't care about Blu-rays unless they have a bunch of special features. I would just make my milieu like putting together the best special feature sets for anything. Yeah. It doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. Um, like I, I buy movies based on this has like a documentary and like three commentaries and like I won't, I just don't buy bare bones movies, period. Like I'm not interested. I can download that shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Agreed. Um, the part that's you... funny to me about me doing this V-Cinema Sicko shit for Blu-rays is the fact that Blu-ray is completely unnecessary for those movies. Yes. Like, <laughs> like VHS <laughs> is sufficient, but like, you know, DVD, that's good. There's a little bit of like, we were watching this movie on the Criterion channel and I was like, this was shot on film, right? Because it looks kind of bad. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, it, I don't know if it, what it was shot on. It could have been 16 millimeters. It, mm-hmm. You know what? That would have made sense. Yeah. You know. Because um, you look at like, it wasn't eight millimeter, but like you look at stuff shot on eight mi- millimeter and you're like, wow, this like really, the millimeters really do matter. Yeah. <laughs> In the same they way. They really matter. Um, but yeah, I think it was probably 16 millimeter because it, it has a very similar vibe to like, Noi was shot on 16. And yeah, oh, okay. Same, like, you know what? Yeah. Okay. High grain. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 bad is a is a weird term. I just thought that like on the 4K, you know, huge TV that I've got, like it just looked odd a little bit in places. But it being on 16 would make sense for that. You yeah. know? Yeah, I mean it's not it's not tape. Yeah. Like it's in the air, it could have been tape, but it's not tape, so yeah. yeah. Um but what would you what would you call your Blu-ray company? Your your arrow or your criterion? Well, so mine's easy because I already did the Plex server that's the name, which would just be the V Cinema Sicko Cinema Tech. <laughs> <laughs> I would I would just I would shorten it to Sicko Cinema, but you know. I want the like V Cinema though. Uh-huh. Can can I copyright the name special features and just name my company special features? That's a question for the copyright office. <laughs> what if what if there is what if I don't release the movies and I just release packages of like ancillary material? Like I'm not even trying to license a film. I'm just putting together like here's a commentary track. And and... Yes, <laughs> yeah, that would actually be pretty cool. Yeah, just like have it set up where you can like easily put it in, and then if you have the file on your computer, like you can open it in VLC and just do the commentary yeah. track over. If you it. if yeah. you if you yeah, also if you like. If you buy the package, you get downloads of MP3s of all the commentary tracks, you know, to mm-hmm. do your own syncing if you'd rather, all that stuff. Then you don't have to pay the licensing fees. You just have to build really nice documentaries and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Which is not nothing, but. It's a lot easier. <laughs> I don't know about a lot easier. Documentary, no, least... Documentaries are a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But still, it, it would. Yeah. Yeah. No, specifically, I was watching the um, the full core documentary, the big, long three hour one that everyone should watch. It's very good. Um, that um, open or like the the special feature on that is like that came out of um, the uh, the special features department of Arrow trying to build like a special feature for something and being like, we have enough material for a whole ass movie here. We should just make a whole ass movie, and huh. they did. Yeah. Um, and then wrapped an entire like big box around it, um, not for Arrow, for Severin specifically. Um, and then made this, and then wrapped that whole box around it. And you know that's how we've seen Tilbury now, which is a great film. Yeah. Uh, um. Did you did you do the name for your boutique? Oh gosh, I don't know. Um, I'm not gonna let you out of this one. I'm so bad at naming things. I would not have. I would not have held a lot of seat to fire on this, but. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah, just... but I like tormenting you. So. <laughs> um, gosh, I'm fucking trash at name. I would name it Brulee Blu-rays. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <It's... laughs> okay. Um, can we name a company the look and sound of Perfect? HDDVD's not using it anymore. Oh shit. <laughs> Let's just take it. The look and sound of Perfect. I got a new Blu-ray from the look and sound of Perfect. <laughs> L- you better make sure you didn't fuck up any of the the prints, but it's, it's a great name. Yeah. <laughs> Is Golden Harvest available? <laughs> <laughs> Just Golden Harvest colon the look and sound of perfect. <laughs> Can I steal the Orion logo because no one's using it and when the stars start spitting, they turn into a disc? Oh, shit. 
Um, Marin asks, um, what are your favorite sad slash gay detective movies? I'm going to interrupt right there. This movie is very good, very sad detective movie. I don't know that this is a gay detective movie. Yeah. Death Note. I want to say Death Note. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Not a movie, but Death Note. Death Note. I mean, there is a Death Note movie. Sorry. Sorry. What? Oh, do you mean Desunoto? No, no, I mean, I mean, Death Note, no. the anime. Thank you. No. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of more sad and gay detective movies. So, so Manhunter is <gasps> the best sad detective movie, but it is the straightest film possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yes, that is the best sad detective movie by far. <laughs> yeah, I fucking love Manhunter. Um, the thing I'm. And listen, listeners, you know, I'm Fujoshi Brain. I'm struggling to find, like, a good gay detective movie. They, they're they there. I just can't. I'm not summoning them to mind right now. Yeah. Um, I also am not summoning them to mind right now. The, the other detective movie I watched recently that I really loved, Where the Sidewalk Ends, great, sad detective movie, not gay. Does Phoenix Wright count as a gay detective story? Uh, it's not sad. But yes, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna count he, it. He detects and it's gay. <laughs> I mean, we're gonna do it. We've talked about it multiple times. The third man, I guess, is kind of this. It's not fully it's detective, not, but yeah, sad and gay, not detective. But yeah. <laughs> I mean, there is a detective, but he's not gay. Yeah, he is upset about how the yeah. <laughs> Great man, movie. Th- third man fucking rocks. It does. One of the best movies ever made. Um, Marin also asks while I unlock my phone, um, since Neve mentioned birds in, uh, your question tweet, favorite kinds of birds, top weird bird calls. Um, I saw a really big pigeon on my walk to work yesterday. Yeah. He, that motherfucker did not care that I was walking toward him. I, I am from rural towns where birds, if they see you just get out of your way. Yeah. Uh, that's not true in Chicago. <laughs> yeah, Chicago pigeons are like, the fuck are you going? <laughs> I'm walking here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you walk around me. Um, um, I love. Some, some would say Chicago is the New York of the Midwest. Yeah. Some would say. Some would. I wouldn't. <laughs> I might you say. just described the New Yorker thing. You just did the thing. You just yeah. walked right into it and did the thing. No, yeah. but the pigeons are like that. Chicagoans aren't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like owls. They're pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, owls are great. I like ravens and crows. Yeah. Which ones can use tools? I can never remember this. I think both. It's crows, right? Like crows, but like they're both very smart. Okay. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think about birds that often. I'm Man. sorry. <laughs> Give me nothing here. I'm not the one that put birds in the question thing. <laughs> I don't think about. You know, I, I I listen. I listen to stairwells, and I'm like, on some level, Neve and Autumn are like this very weird alternate universe version of me and Jackson, and you are just like Jacksoning it up right now <laughs> with your answers I'm... or lack thereof. <laughs> I thought that a minute ago and thought it was mean. So yeah. <laughs> thanks for saying it. I guess. Um... <laughs> 
Um, I just went through seven hour- hours of dragging answers out of Jackson, so <laughs> I'm allowed. <laughs> uh, chickadees are great. As, like, just to, like... Because we talked about, like, the cool birds that are, like, hunters mm-hmm. and stuff. Chickadees are great. You know what? I... I you oh, Go ahead. I love hummingbirds. Um, hummingbirds are good. I, I have lots of memories of um, just being, like, five years old and being like, oh, shit, that's a hummingbird. <laughs> and just pointing at it. I love yeah. those guys. I, um, I, w- I want to shout out chickens. Just plain-ass chickens. Because I feel like chickens... Like, you watch, like, I, I watch YouTube videos of people who just keep chickens, and chickens just re- feel the most like dinosaurs of any bird to me, because they're just hanging out. They don't give a shit. I, um, I can't look look at a chicken without thinking about how bad chicken coops smell. Em, um, have you seen the image of uh, some scientists changed a DNA, uh, like a strand in, in chicken DNA? Uh, they just changed, like, one chromosome, and they gave it a dinosaur face. No, <laughs> no, I've not. Let, seen let this. me see if I can find this. I would like to see this though. Um, people vamp. I'm I'm googling dinosaur face chicken right now. I can read the so next question if we want. Um, yeah, sure. Uh, oh next God, question is, is so from Ina. Um, wow. <laughs> <laughs> who asks? Who is the Dilfist kaiju? Um. Define Dilfist, please. <laughs> well, which kaiju is the most dad you'd like to fuck? Uh, King Kong. Yeah. yeah. E- easy one to fill out. There's yeah. only one Bara. That's not true. That's not true. I should take that back. I can't just say that like it's true. But I do think King Kong is the most Bara of the kaiju I know of. How yeah. about that? Yeah. The- the thing that's really funny about Godzilla vs. Kong, like the, you know, the recent Adam G- Wingard movie, not the old 1962 mm-hmm. movie, um, is that like... You mean King Kong vs. Godzilla, entirely different film. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, in Godzilla vs. Kong, I I think they're deliberately leaning into that a little bit. <laughs> that mm-hmm. like, King, mm. King Kong... It, because he's like more relatable to like like monkeys are more relatable to us than lizards are. Yeah. Like King mm, Kong scalies is are mad at you. They're writing furious <laughs> emails right now. Like King Kong is just supposed to be your friend in that movie in the way that like Godzilla is supposed to be like an unknowable terror. And I feel like in, you know, just the 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 in in, in Godzilla movies where there's no King Kong, I would say that like Godzilla is the most dilf of any kaiju there, but as soon as you introduce like King Kong there, like oh, King Kong's way more dilfy. Yeah. <laughs> I need to watch the rest of the like I'm like I'm through King Kong ver- or King Kong versus Godzilla, maybe one no, I'm a little further than that in the criterion side. I need to sit down and plow through the rest of that so I can answer this question correctly. I um yeah, it, it's I've seen all of these movies. It's been such a long time. So yeah, I have not seen all these yeah. movies. Yeah. Um. Does Gamera have a dad bod? Uh. No. <laughs> no. No. I thought. No. I thought about Gamera, but I just don't think. I'm not saying Dilf, but I'm saying like specifically the like dad bod idea. Mm, I just don't think. Uh, I don't just don't think like a, a carapace shell. You know, I guess a turtle shell is not a carapace, but um, it just it just doesn't count in the same way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Dadbot's got to be squishy. I feel like true. that's like 
part of it is the cuddle ability. Yeah. Yeah. Also worth noting, I assume Ina didn't ask about Milfy Kaiju because that's Mothra. There's no like there's no Yeah, yeah it's because in my call for questions I specifically said Milfra. Oh, Milf you did? Mothra. Okay. Yeah. I, I missed that. Thank you. Because I was just trying to think of ways to make stuff funny for <laughs> uh, prompt for questions because that's how I get people to send us questions as I do jokes in there. Um Ina also asks, if we replace Takabe with, I don't know, Bato or, or, or Togusa, does this whole movie get better or worse? Um, to- Togusa's the guy who gets beat up for telling Mamiya about uh, Takabe's family. That's <laughs> yes. Togusa. He's yes. in this movie, he gets the shit kicked out of him. <laughs> if, if Bato's assigned this case, uh, he would feel bad about it. Like It would like eat him up a little bit, and then like two hours later... The, the major would get involved and just kill Mamiya, and it wouldn't be an issue anymore. <laughs> but, to- but Toad does not turn off the washing machine when he goes home to his wife. He's happy to have it go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, like, bought two washing machines. So if one of them breaks down, she's not without a washing machine. <laughs> yeah. That's the kind of guy Bateau is. <laughs> um, definitely, if you put the major in here, she just immediately kills Mamiya. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just they find him and she kills him. Doesn't care how any of this stuff is working. It's just like I killed the guy, it's over. <laughs> I will say, Takabe when he shows up in the in the house at the end, um, just unloading on Mamiya, fucking sick. I love it. It's so yeah. good. I I thought that scene it's like starting to build the tension and stuff. And I thought it was going to just like keep building and building and building. And then just all of a sudden he just draws on him. It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I'm done with this shit now. <laughs> um, Ryan asks, um, what is another movie you like where the detective protagonist never removes his karmically large coat? Um, this is another one where I'm like, oh, I know there are a lot of good detective so, movies with you. Go. This isn't true. This mm-hmm. isn't true because he definitely takes off his coat more than once. But in my gut, like the spirit of this question is Orson Welles in Touch of Evil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I. Okay. As far as like not going on, not taking off his coat. This is not a detective movie, but like Mikey and Nikki is the is the king of like oh, abs- oh, God. doesn't take off comically large coat movies. <laughs> I mean Columbo in general. Yeah, just yes. <laughs> so I was also thinking of he's not the protagonist, but the detective in The Hunger. I think oh, also doesn't take off his coat. Yeah, oh, yeah. and yeah. is just budget Columbo. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> you're totally right. Um, what was the other one I just had in my mind? It wasn't a detective movie. Oh, um, I think there's a scene where Dustin Hoffman wears a ridiculous coat in All the President's Men um, mm. that I, I got a big laugh out of. Um, yeah. um, also not a detective movie, but I think a s- answer in the spirit of this question, uh, Neo in the Matrix always wearing oh, a coat. Oh, yeah. yeah. Very important to his character. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I Mikey and Nikki, the best one of these, I think. Um. Last question is from Juo, uh, who I'm just going to read this verbatim. Uh, and I just want everybody to know that Juo was put on this earth to torment me. <laughs> um, hello, Fu, Umi, and Clef. 
I'm I'm foo. <laughs> yeah. So I this I want to state this for the record. I'm foo because. So I am Hikaru slash Nova. Yeah. Which then makes me like, and also just knowing Joao enough, I think I'm supposed to be the Clef here, which yeah. I take great offense. Do I know to. who Clef is? I've only watched nine episodes. Um, Clef doesn't ring a bell. He's the 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 short king at the beginning who gets turned into stone. Oh, and the guy then, in the stone. Yeah, he's like clearly probably evil. I that guy's shady as fuck. I hate that yeah. guy. Yeah. <laughs> All my homies hate Clef. Fuck Clef. <laughs> Um, it's a, it's fun when you get to season two and he's just the most like middle of the road centrist guy ever. <laughs> right. Anyway, you discover the Bella Lugosi is actually alive. He reveals to everyone that he's actually a real life vampire vampire and has faked his own death. The reason he has revealed himself now is that he's a massive Adam Sandler fan and he wants to make a remake of a famous Adam Sandler movie. Considering the hardships that come with making a movie with a vampire, which Adam Sandler movie would you choose for Bela Lugosi to do his version of it? Is Bela Lugosi starring or is he directing? I assume he's just starring. starring. Okay. starring. starring. Uh, the answer is the answer is Fifty First Dates. <laughs> <laughs> I think that one would be really sweet. Actually, I think Bella could pull it off. I think he's got a lot of depth that was never explored in his career. He's got typecast. Um, I think he could do it. Um, I also just happen to like Fifty First Dates quite a bit. So, the... I've seen that movie many times. I I remember it being cute, but every time I'm like, I think that movie's oh, really. I'm sure it's bad. I'm sure that's it's the bad, thing. Is right? every time but... I think to myself, I remember that movie being really cute. I then think to myself, but it's an Adam Sandler movie, so it's got to be bad, right? <laughs> that's that's not necessarily true. That's not. There's probably I haven't revisited an, an Adam Sandler movie in a long time, but like I remember liking Big Daddy just fine. I bet it's fine. I bet it's fine. I, I do not. I do not think that Bela Lugosi would do justice to um, Big Daddy. Big Daddy. No. Yeah, yeah me either. Um, the first one that I thought of, which I don't know if it would actually be my answer, but was just because I was thinking about it earlier today, is Punch Drunk Love. Um, yeah. Because I was listening to Voip Life, and you mentioned P.T. Anderson, and I mm-hmm. had this moment where I remembered that Fiona Apple, shortly before they broke up, came with came out with an album about how P.T. Anderson was like shitty to her. And, like, kind mm-hmm. of abusive. And then a few years later, he makes a movie about, like, a shitty abusive guy, but it's okay if the, like, girl loves him enough. And I was like, man, that's... I hadn't, like, thought about that before. That's <laughs> fucked. Mm. Um, yeah. um, I mean, Little Nicky, I feel like, is too obvious, because that is just type... Obvious. It's It's typecasting Bella. Um... Yeah. Uh, Billy Madison, I think, is a very strong choice. Bella Lugosi going through school again. That sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> That's great. Vampire <laughs> Bella Lugosi going through school yeah. again. Which is also great because they have to shoot all of the scenes at night. <laughs> I um I would I also would like to request in this world that now exists where Bella Lugosi's alive and a vampire, that he help produce a new version of Bella Lugosi's Dead, uh, called Bella Lugosi's Not Dead. <laughs> Is it cheating to say Hotel Transylvania? Yes. Yes. Okay. I just I'm just asking. <laughs> That's the cop out answer and you know it. Um um oh, I just saw Jack and Jill and that would be so cursed. Oh. <laughs> oh no. Oof. <laughs> Oof. Um 
The one I was actually thinking about is Happy Gilmore because it would be very funny to do a movie set on like golf courses where it does have to be shot at night. <laughs> so it either needs to be studio sets looking, <laughs> or it's do just you, everybody golfing at night. Do you replace Bob Barker with Drew Carey in this? <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know my answer now. <laughs> and it is Happy Gilmore. Um, Juo goes on to ask, what is the mer- worst movie you wish you would have seen in a theater? Um, Ooh, that's hard. I mean, I'm going to pull up my letterbox and just like scroll through some things real quick. I've seen Space Transformer, aka Space Transformers, aka Micro Commando Diatron 5 in a theater. I regret the the implication that that movie's bad. Or uh, resent, sorry, not regret. Yeah. <clears throat> um, let me see here. On that episode, you seem to like not enjoy the movie. <laughs> well, yeah, but that movie's great. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what, like, the pod, like, a movie that's, like, bad, but, like, for some reason, the theater experience is, like, quinta, like, part of it. Like, I've seen Xanadu in a theater. That was fucking great. Like, you know, it's a bad movie, but I'm glad I saw it in a theater. Um, uh, I saw Gravity in a theater, which is a very mid movie that is made. Gravity does not hang with the worst movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. That's what I'm saying is that Gravity is a totally mid movie that, when you see it in a theater, is a really good movie. But yeah. outside of a theater, it's totally mid. But that, like, I'm trying to think in that direction. But Gravity is not a bad movie, I don't think. Yeah, one of them I thought I'm trying to remember the the guy who did. There's a guy who did like kind of horror movies, but they were like very corny. But the whole thing was that like there was shit in the theater, so like the chair might shock you or something. But that is the, like I don't know why you watch that movie without the thing that's going to shock you. Yeah. Um. um the other one that I was thinking of, but I can't think of a good example of this, is just, like, one of those movies that is, like, a famous disappointment, where, like, people got really upset in the theater, and it would be specifically great to, like, go back and know that it is going to be bad, and go to the theater and, like, watch the react, like, just yeah. intentionally watching the reactions of other people during it. Yeah, like, going mm. to a midnight showing uh, of Phantom Menace, and I'm sitting there having a great time, because I, you yeah. know enjoy phantom menace as much as one can i wouldn't want to do this without nora i don't i don't think i could sit through phantom menace without nora there but uh um, i'd sit through phantom menace right now <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah phantom menace would be a good one but it is specifically like going back with the knowledge that i have now of what it is mm-hmm. and then watching the disappointment that other people are experiencing that would be fun the, the thing is all the ones that i can think of for that are movies that i just think are good yeah um I don't know if I, I just don't think I have an answer for this. Yeah. I'm trying. I guess the other, the other way to go maybe is like bad comedies, because maybe if I was like watching it with a whole bunch of other people there, it would be more fun. Oh yeah, sure. Like maybe, maybe then I can understand why people like Napoleon Dynamite. I sure don't. I mean, I was in a theater (laughs) for Napoleon Dynamite and willed myself to sleep. So I didn't have to watch more of it. So um, now being in a theater with a bunch of people who were totally enjoying it did not help. (laughs) 
Yeah, you know, when I think of like uh, when I think of like some of the worst movies that I've seen that I remember that aren't just like Z grade horror stuff that I don't remember the name of. It's all stuff I went and saw in theaters because like, oh, there's a new movie and man, this fucking sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, so I already saw them in theaters the first time. It was miserable. Yeah, that's the thing mm-hmm. is that like, if I I saw the artist in a theater, it fucking sucks. I saw the King best speech. picture winner. In a theater. Oh, this chicken fucking rips. I oh, missed yeah, this. You saw the chicken. It's so, oh, that's it's so incredible. cool. Oh. <laughs> you just change like one one little bit on their DNA chain and you get that. Yeah. It's great. I love it. Um Oh, I know what I know what my answer is. Okay. It's not a good movie. I'm just fond of it. Um, I would want to go see Blank Man in theater as an adult. I don't know if I know that one. That is the um, <laughs> that is the uh, Blank Man. Let's make sure I get this right because um, this is the uh, Damon Wayans starring uh, superhero movie. Uh, that is a riff on the in living color character Handyman, which is a horrible, horrible, ableist joke character. But they just turn into a superhero movie about like a nerdy guy who becomes a fake Batman. And I have a lot of fondness for it. I watched it on long cable as a kid. I see you looking at Tales of Earthsea over there. <laughs> <laughs> is, um, is. Does Robin Hood Men in Tights count as a bad movie? Because I like that movie. It's it was my first Mel Brooks movie though, so it, you no. know, biased. Um, and I liked it a lot. I watched it a lot as a kid. I didn't watch another one until my teens, and that uh, so like that one has a lot of fondness in my heart. Yeah, I don't think Robin Hood Men in Tights is a bad movie. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. You know, I, I I actually have my answer for this. Um, I I would go see Howl's Moving Castle because like I hate that movie. I saw Howl's Moving Castle in the theater when it came out the first time. At least it would look pretty, (laughs) you know. (laughs) Um, But I fucking hate that movie. (laughs) I just remembered. You know what bad movie I'm extremely glad I did see in theaters? Huh? The Hmm. Gem and the Holograms. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I would never, I would never want to like watch that at home. I would just turn it off. I would be bored. (laughs) Yeah, I still I would need people to watch it with even now. Yeah. To like enjoy watching it. But why I'm so glad that I saw it in theaters is because so it was in theaters for exactly one week mm-hmm. because nobody saw it. Yeah. And it was just me, Emily, and our friend Alex, and we just went and nobody else was in the theater. And so we just got to like joke and like talk throughout the entire thing. And having a theater entirely to yourself to watch like a very bad movie but about a show that you have a lot of affection for is just great experience. I had But I ex- got it. I had this experience with Hot Tub Time Machine. My dad and I were the only people in the theater to see Hot Tub Time Machine. Yeah. <laughs> uh that was a that was a hoot. I don't know if that movie's any good, but we had a great time. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I don't know if there's another one that I can think of, but like something that is like a bad, you know, Hollywood version of something that I had affection for my childhood to see it in a theater and specifically just have the theater all to myself, except for my friends. That would be fun. But I got the best version of it, which is Gemini and the holograms and waiting for the post credit scene and fucking Kesha's pizzazz. It's incredible. (laughs) Why was that not the movie? <laughs> what that movie needed was the misfit. <coughs> anyway. I'm so mad people didn't see it in theaters because I want the gem in the holograms too that has Kesha as pizzazz. That movie would also be bad, but it would be better. I know, but it would be so much better because Kesha <laughs> would be pizzazz. 
<laughs> in the Misfits, the thing that that movie needed, which is the goofy rifle band. Isn't she, like, exceptionally older than the rest of the characters, though? Like, Kesha, uh, the, the woman? Let me look. I don't know how. Isn't Jenna Holograms about, like, like late teen agers? Like, you know. I, I'm just curious now. Yeah. Kesha. Okay. I was just curious. I'm like, that doesn't seem... Because Pizazz is supposed to be, like, a rival to Jem, but, like, mm. isn't Jem, like, 18, 19, something like that? Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. She is, She would be way too old for that part. <laughs> she would She would be probably 30 in that movie. <laughs> then, you, then you get into the weird Charlie's Angel 2 situation where, like, Demi Moore is there. Is like, I was an angel before you, and look what happened to me. Um, which is fine, I guess, but, like, a whole different thing. Yeah. Let me look at how old... Let me look Gem and the Holograms. I I just had extreme no, age gapped up PNG moment where I was like, Demi Moore was in Charlie's Angels, two the <laughs> sequel with yeah oh okay um, I thought you were saying that she was in like the original Charlie's Angels shows or no something. she was in the second one as the villain but her whole thing was that she used to be an angel okay and then got like and then like left or whatever I don't remember. it's been many years since I saw okay Charlie's Angels okay full so, throttle. So how old is Kasha now? Like 30? She's 35 now. Okay. I just want to like figure this out. The person who is playing Jem. Jerrica specifically. Uh-huh. Um, while saying this is that. too much work for a dumb joke. <laughs> while saying that, I remembered that Emily has a friend who is named after Jerrica from Jem and the Holograms, which is incredible. So the the actress who played Jerrica is 28 now. Okay. Okay. So so not like out of the realm of Hollywood possibility. Yeah, yeah. It's it's within that space of they are getting like twenty somethings to play teens. It's yeah. it's a little bit like Toby Maguire. Yeah. Um I just want Gem in the Holograms too so bad. I know it would be <laughs> a bad movie, but I want it. Could we get Gem in the Holograms versus Josie and the Pussycats? That would and be incredible. There? Yeah. I really like um I'm I'm pretty low on um Riverdale in general, but I really like how they did Josie and the Pussycats in that show. Oh, I meant I meant the movie Josie and the Pussycats, which I fucking love. Great. I film. should see that movie because I know it is a beloved movie. Yeah. Um It's very corny. I understand why people don't like it. I think it's wonderful. I the the people who like it and the way they describe liking it, I just know that that movie would hit for me. You know, I think I would mm. like the particular kind of corny that, that movie is. Yeah. Um while we're just wishing for things, can I also get a Good Burger 2? Um, <laughs> it's like Clerks 2, but like better, because Clerks 2 is miserable. I still maintain he's only done two good things, and one of them was his wife, who did the tweet, so... <laughs> Not he did his wife. I mean, he did do his I, wife. Yeah. <laughs> Um, You're right I about would, one I thing, say, Master. I would, I would say there's like at least three good Kevin Smith movies. You were telling me this week that you like Jersey Girl, which I have a hard... I like Jersey Yes, I thought Jersey Girl was perfectly charming. Um, it's fine. I'm just... I have so little patience for that man. I do think that <laughs> I mean, you should yeah, no, watch me too. Dogma. I should watch Chasing I Amy. think Dogma is terrible, but I think you should watch Dogma. I fucking hate Dogma. Uh... <laughs> I I was defending Chasing Amy because it came up, um, yeah, and I think that movie is a uh, is an interesting time capsule, captures a real moment of the nineties. Um, 
I don't think that you would like dogma. I just want you to like have experienced dogma. Okay. What if Autumn likes dogma? <laughs> we have to live with the fact that Autumn likes dogma. Are you willing to take the risk? <laughs> I love Clerks, dude. <laughs> yeah. Clerks is good. Clerks 2, fucking worst. Oh my god. I've only seen oh. like a clip or two from YouTube of that movie. It seems dire. You watch that. You watch that dance sequence. The fr- I saw Clerks two, and the dance sequence was like so charming that I was just like, "This is before we all knew about Rosario Dawson." So, um, so that dancing, you're like, "Man, maybe this movie's fine." And then you think about it for three seconds, you're like, "No, it's not. It's the worst thing in the world." <laughs> um, only only a veteran wife guy could make a movie like Clerks two. <laughs> <laughs> Um. Yeah, that's the podcast. We're done here. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. We didn't rate. We didn't rate Star Wars for oh, Cure. Oh, we didn't we rate Star Wars for Cure. Yeah, we got completely sidetracked. <laughs> the one there are a couple good ones. The one that really stuck out in my mind is um, Takabe goes to like his wife is having an episode where she gets lost, and he like meets her at the top of this like huge stairwell that like looks out over a lake or something that I thought yeah. was really nice. But there's a there's a couple different stairwells that you see. That wasn't that wasn't even the one I was thinking of as like the one that's good in the movie. Oh, hit me. The one that I uh, specifically wanted to cite was the uh the big like barn structure has a like single flight stairwell because oh, the entrance right. to the barn is on the second floor inexplicably. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember looking at that thing. Why do you have to go upstairs to get into a do, fucking barn? Do we see anyone go up the stairs? No, but they do look really nice. Yeah. Well, we see, we see, there's a shot earlier on where, um, his psychologist friend is looking in the window on the second floor. And then later it's implied he goes up those stairs when he goes and confronts, uh, Mamiya. Mm. Yeah. There's a lot of spaces in this movie that are like disconnected in interesting ways, I think. Of like, mm-hmm. you understand that both of these rooms are in the hospital, but you don't understand like, what is like the hallway that one person like walked through to get to that room? Well, you know, to get to mommy's apartment requires going through like, like a, a room full of like caged animals and like an open air all hallway, which also seems like a dump and like crawling under like a weird, like court, like corrugated metal yeah. like, wall. Yeah. And somewhere unclear, but somewhere within the vicinity of all of this stuff is also just like an extremely hot metal thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like yeah. shooting flames for like incinerating yes. trash or something. <laughs> yeah. Um. um. Yeah, I think the one that you mentioned where it's like going up the stairs and we see the lake or whatever is the most mm-hmm. like actual movement on stairs that we get. Mm-hmm. Um. Another one that I remember is there's these like steps that go up to like basically a bridge. It's probably like it's going over the the expressway, I think, or something. Oh yeah. And she like. Mm-hmm. We don't get a bunch of her going up it, but we see like her like finishing climbing up and then walking around and being lost. Yeah, that, that bridge looks good. really nice. Yeah. Um I maybe want to give it a C plus where there are a lot of really nice looking stairs that like I don't know, like don't get used to like the full effect, I think, maybe. Yeah. That's where I'm at. There's not like a stairwell scene really. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I was going to go C. Uh, maybe I'm a little harsher grade than Autumn. Uh, I, I thought just, about C, and then because we had so many different examples, I talked yeah. myself into a C+. I'd only remembered the one uh, at, the, at the big barn, but I just liked it as, like, it's so jarring as, like, why is the stairway going to the second floor? Why is it the second floor? Mm-hmm. Um the second floor is a weird inside that barn is the second floor is like a weird, like used to be a hospital that like is half flooded for no good reason. It just is like this very evocative, like the stairwell leads to an unreal space, yes, that, yeah. but like no one's goes on it or anything. That's a C to me. Middle of the road positive, but you know, yeah. Yeah. Okay. We can just do a C. Let's do a C. Um, <clears throat> God, those like stairs that go to the middle of nowhere, are just a thing that um, I I love, but I've gotten like weirdly used to them mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. so they're all over Iceland. Mm-hmm. There's like lots of stairs where you go in and you enter on the second floor. Um, there's also an, a version of this in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan where it is just a door that opens to nothingness on the second floor. There's no stairs or anything. It's just a door that opens up. And the reason why is because if it snows so fucking much that you can't open your front door, you can open that door oh. and jump out. Ah. Yeah, 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 that makes sense. Yeah. Um, when I was in high school, I dated someone who had, like, that, but we lived in, you know, a fucking suburb of Kansas City. Yeah. <laughs> so there, that was just never a situation that was ever going to come up. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> like, it's strange for the first time you go to the Upper Peninsula and you're like, why are there all these doors on the side of the building, like, on the second floor? And mm. then... You go like you live there for a winter, and you're like, "Oh, that's why." <laughs> so you can get out of your house. <laughs> um. Anyway, I think that's it. Yeah, that's a podcast. Uh, M, where can people find you? I forgot plugs. Yeah, I was staring at you, being yeah. like, "You host this." <laughs> You can you can find me on Twitter at em underscore being. Uh, I have a bunch of podcasts at uh, abnormalmapping.com. Uh, I mostly do a game club called Abnormal Mapping, and I do a movie podcast. It's kind of like this one called Repertory Screenings. Uh, we're we just put out our episode on Excalibur, uh, which I'm recording tomorrow because uh, that's how podcasts work. Um, looking forward to that. Uh, we you know we've been going for a while. It's pretty fun. Uh, most people know me for this Gundam podcast, but like Seed fucking sucks. So who cares? But if you want to listen to the Great Gundam suck. Project, <laughs> listen to like our Turn A season, which is like the, the greatest Gundam that's ever going to exist. So um, you know what are you gonna do? Yeah, yeah. Neve, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at Foxamomnia on Twitter, uh, and also at me- Mediev underscore pile. I forgot the name of my own stupid Twitter account. That's where I tweet pictures of stairwells in movies, <laughs> for the most part. Um, and go listen to Ghost Divers. We're doing Ghost in the Shell 2 Innocence next, so... I need to watch that movie. I'm not going to be on that episode. I just want to watch that movie. Oh, it's so fucking good. I was going to watch it um, last night, but I had a one of the worst migraines I've had in an extremely long time. Yeah. Um, I was like debilitated for hours. But I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm not going to be on the episode. I'm just going to watch that movie sometime before that episode comes out at least. So. Yeah, I um, feel it. Like I'm afraid I'm like oversold it because like I watched uh, Innocence and I was like, this has got some problems when I first watched it. I just it, it sits in the memory really well. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm expecting, Um, because that's ultimately like <clears throat> what I took away from Ghost in the Shell of like, I didn't like Ghost in the Shell the first time I saw it. 
And then, like, it kind of grew in my memory, and then I revisited it, and I was like, oh, this is great. And so, like, I'm going to be fine if I don't, like, love this movie on my first time through, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also a movie that, if you watch it now, you become, like, very aware of just how much they are using 3D animation to, <laughs> like, do things. Oh. That's uh, an understatement. Yeah. That's, an under- <laughs> that's such an understatement. I love how goofy the 3D animation and standalone complex is, so... Oh, this is this is so different. It's a lot, though. Yeah. Um, um, I think it's cool, but um, I wish more anime movies just went on one like this. <laughs> it really does just go on one. Where can people find you? You find me on Twitter, at Atomal underscore coffee. Uh, you can go to exportaud.io, and that's the Patreon for this and many other podcasts on the Export Audio Network. We've got links on that page to all the free feeds, or you can give us a dollar a month. You get access to this podcast early, Gotham City Limits early, Bag End Book Club, Ars Arcanum. Uh, you can also um, <clears throat> give us $5 a month and get my opinions on Adam Sandler movies um, at Pop Town Funk, mm-hmm. uh, a dumb podcast, but also my best podcast. <laughs> <laughs> if you do enough Adam Sandler movies, maybe you could ask Calliope Moore to be on your podcast and then you'd be the coolest person I know. <laughs> what VTuber could we get on a, like, realistically thinking, like, what VTuber could I get on, um, export and on an export audio show? I think it might be Callie. Cool. I, I think she's the one who would, like, she's so, she's, like, way too big, actually, for any of us to get, but yeah. I think she's, like, the one most game to do something stupid like this. Yes, exactly. <laughs> also, she loves Adam Sandler, like, genuinely in her heart, so. <laughs> because she lives, she's just, like, an embarrassing person. Um. <laughs> anyway. This is a podcast. I've said it three Ooh. times now, because <laughs> I kept forgetting segments we were supposed to do, but, um, Okokoro is real. Okokoro is real. <laughs> it's not actually, it's just kayfabe.